Welcome to episode 444 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 440 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? All good in the hood. Well, you're a bit sick. You've yeah, been spluttering and sniffing yeah. and... Yeah, you don't sound healthy. December 1 was earmarked as my official getting back into training, which was yesterday, and got my run in 75 minutes. But 75 minutes? Yep. It's uh, day one. Day one. Yeah, we've oh, got a bit of, core, bit of core and stuff in there. No problems. Yep. But at the same time... Felt a little tickle coming in the throat. Not happy. Kids? No, I don't know where it came from. It's, it's the summer weather we're getting that's about zero degrees. Oh, mate, it's so tropical. Yesterday was a shocker. <laughs> I took us proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Your social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. It's that good old lactic buffer. Okay, guys, this week's show is a couple of interviews, John Bo. So we've got some news. We've got. The big focus is our Challenge Bahrain. We want to pump this race up because it's got an awesome feel. They've got awesome money. And I love people that uh, organizations that put up big money and try to help our sport go to the next level. So that's our main focus. Okay, and then we've got Stat Fat. How is that? Statistic. Statistic. Um, we haven't got a high five. I've included that. No, but we've got a couple of interviews. We've got a legendary of the sport. Yeah, Torsten. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now it's talking about Pod. Paul O'Donnell's going to be on the show. The guy O'Doherty. O'Doherty, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Paul O'Donnell is uh, Tim O'Donnell's brother. Yeah, exactly. He's a fantastic oh, athlete. That, that's sharp. Sharp. Um, yeah, so we've got him on. He's the guy who beat John and Kona. Although yeah. most people beat John and Kona. Yeah, he did. Honest, also but. beat me in, uh, at 70.3 in Auckland. So actually he wins overall. He does. He's much higher than me on the, the, the Apparently, Kona ratings. He's only, he's only 14th on the rankings. And again, that's another reason. Yeah, he should be a bit higher than that. He's 14th overall at the moment. I think it was something like that. Which I, is pretty much a, the year now. There's no other races, are there? Uh, well, there's, I, I don't know when the official cutoff date is, but it's WA coming up. Um, oh, and course. that's probably about it. And then... Uh, Dawson Rad is on the show from tryrating.com and he's going to be talking about the KPR system and all the changes that are happening in 2015. We've got a few questions and answers at the end, but let's get into it, guys. News, first of all, results. We had Cozumel over the weekend and uh, what happened there, Michael Vice, I can't you, you, you talked a couple of weeks ago about what defines a dojo domination and I think we you put it some... It was 20 minutes, wasn't it? I think it was, but oh. realistically, realistically, for a guy to win an Ironman by 20 minutes is... It's not impossible, no. but it's pretty bloody hard. But yep. he went pretty close. He was 17 minutes in front. So Michael Weiss from Austria defended his title. He swam 50 minutes, so he's losing massive time in the swim. Uh, six minutes he lost to, to the leaders out of the swim. But then he rode 4.22. Wow. And we looked down at the Everyone other list. 4.40s. 4.44 was second, 4.46, 4.49. And it's not like these guys are amazing riders but it's not like they're terrible either you know these are guys that you know you've got some former Ironman winners in there and he's putting you know 20 minutes into them which is just insane and then he rounded it off with a you know nice steady day at the office on the run 255 to go 8 12 16 winning by 17 minutes that's been awesome that moment when he passed all the other pros because it looks like everyone else swam well there's looks like a couple punches really but he was blown past them. Yes, yeah, so it's I guess it's interesting for guys like that. You know, he 
whether or not they can do things in Kona or not. Mm. Um, they they ha- haven't had historically since the days of say your your Stadlers and um, and guys like Jurgen Zach. So. Sebastian Keenlay, yes, he's down after the swim, but he's not that far down. He's still coming out with guys that can at least ride with him for a little bit. But Michael Weiss is that next step back where he is, he's out the back door and he's going to be solo. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if guys like him can actually achieve in the big races when they haven't got well, people Well, Keenlay can with. still run as well. Like, Keenlay's a better runner than those traditional cyclists, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. But still, you know, 255 is not too shabby. I think it looks like it is the fastest or it's very close to being the fastest um, run split of the day so very solid uh, Matt Charbot uh, I sort of said look, look out for this dude he has I think he's done one or two Ironmans and done pretty crap he came in 47 minutes quicker than Torsten had predicted on tryrating.com so he had a nice steady day at the office 44 swim 444 on the bike 257 on the run for an 829 and he just held out uh, Clement Alonso McKerner um, who went 8.30. Got to give a bit of love to him because he was doubling up from two weeks ago where he finished... Where did he finish? He finished second somewhere. Anyway, he did a race two weeks ago, doubling up again and smoking it. That's pretty sharp. Very sharp. On the girl side of things, Nicola took it out. Nicola Spurig. So this is interesting. Nicola Spurig, Ironman debut, current Olympic champion, swam 47, rode 5.15 and ran 3.06 for a 9.14. Only beat Michelle Vesterby by three minutes. So yeah, so would you expect better? You would if she was training specifically for it. So Brett Sutton did a, posted an article that was spread around a couple of the websites saying she's just doing it just for the sake of doing like it. She's, she's, she's on the comeback trail and she's basically been running, hardly ridden her bike, but this is, when you say hardly yeah, ridden a bike, yeah. this is your part of, tra- a day. Yeah, of, of the Sato group. So it certainly sounds like she is not doing Kona. She's there over, you know, they've got a training group over there in Cozumel and it's more a case of I'm here, I'd like to do an Ironman. Wait, she's not going to do Kona next year? No, no, this is not, not preparation for Kona. It's just... I want to go do an Ironman. I'm in Cozumel anyway. I've been training over here. So it's just going. Jeez, I wish I was that good. I wish I could just go, oh, you know what? I might pop up so I'm here in New Zealand and would it. Yeah. But yeah, this would be awesome. Yeah. So uh, no, I, I guess to answer your question, if she trained specifically for this, I would have expected her to go quite a bit quicker. So what's her plan moving forward then? Olympics. Yep, so it'll be Rio. And, but the, the, the whole article of Sato's, um, what Sato was saying is, She's a different sort of athlete in that she just loves to train, loves to race, and doesn't care too much about making squillions of dollars. You know, she was yep. the Olympic champion, and you know, the year after the Olympics, that's when you go and yep, you print your cash. You print your cash, and she just didn't race at all, and went and got married and had a kid, and it's just like, oh, I want to do an Ironman. Everybody says I can't do it, but I feel like I'd like to do one, so we'll do I'd it. like to win one. Yeah. And apparently she did a, a half, oh. half Ironman a couple of weeks before the Olympics before winning the Olympics. And normally you'd say, what the hell are you doing? But she, apparently she's just that kind of girl. How so long has Brett coached her? Um, I don't know exactly how long, but for a little bit. Okay. She co- he coached her into the Olympics, oh. as far as I believe. Michelle so, Vesterby came in at second. Michelle Vesterby, so she needed some points because she didn't have a, a good time of it in Kona. And then Kelly Williamson was out there in third place with a smoking fast 2.57 run. So nice work there. But when she loses uh, 20 minutes on the bike, uh, she needs to do that to make up time. So good racing over there in Cozumel. And thankfully this year they got the whole swim in because last year it got cut in half. Where the um, Ultraman? 
over in, in Hawaii. Yes. And uh, day one, day two, day three is in front of us here, Jombo, and it sounds like it was a pretty kind of challenging race as always. It is. It sounded very windy, and, and obviously when you go, well not obviously, but when you go on the western side, eastern side of the island where we went on the camp last year, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. It rains an awful lot, and it sounds like they just had all sorts of shit thrown at them <laughs> on, the, on the bike course, and uh, it just sounded like the whole whole way through the race was, was really tricky. I think... Of note for me was you know looking at day two you're going there's a couple of dudes here have got uh, dudes and girls who've got nice big leads so after day two Craig Percival had been dominating yeah by nearly an hour so he led by an hour and then likewise on the girls side of things you had uh, Julie Shelley um, was had, had a, a nice big lead as well she had about a twenty minute lead over a girl called Kathy Winkler but she over the eventual winner, uh, Yazuko Mats- Matsuyaka. Who won she, by 50 minutes. She had, how much of a lead did she have on her? She had about an, about half an hour lead on her. So you're kind of thinking, going to the marathon, those two might waltz away with it, but they didn't. And on day three, double marathon from Harvey all the way back into Kona, there were some amazing run performances. And you had Tobias Weinmuller, come through with a 6.41 to win by six minutes over Craig Percival. So that would be gutting. Yeah, that's pretty close, isn't it? It took an hour. So it was basically exactly an hour. uh, So you're getting close to the finish. Mm. You're just about there, really, aren't you? Mm. In six minutes. Mm. Oh, So not a lot in it. So Craig Percival would be gutted because basically he lost an hour on the run. So he ran 7.41, but that may well have been a strategy. Just go hard on the swim, yeah. go hard on the bike, and tr- try to hang on. And he probably knew the calibre of some of the guys behind him. Uh, then you had Tony O'Keefe come in in third. He also had a great run in 6.48. And in fourth place, you had Miro Krieger, who had the fastest run of the day in a 6.27. But I think performance of the day was uh, female Yazuko <coughs> Maziaka. Uh, who, who just killed it on the run, ran 6.54, so she's yeah. beating... She's like the fifth, fourth fastest run time. Mm. And she came through and took it in pretty convincing fashion in the end. Nice work. Julie Shelley, nice work, Julie. We know Julie. She was in second place, and Kathy Winkler was in third. Times rock and roll. Okay, we've got this. So the big race, really, let's be honest, we've been talking about this race all year. Kind of, it's been a fascinating event, and it's good to see that there's so much money and good field, and it seems like it's going to get pretty good coverage, is... Bahrain, Challenge Bahrain is happening this weekend. It is. So I was interested to find, I did a little bit of research on Bahrain, good on Wikipedia. If it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. And Wikipedia are actually doing their donations drive at the moment. They we used it, to be on Wikipedia and they took us off, so I'm not giving any money. Really? Yeah. Didn't know We used that. to have a page, I wonder if we still got one. I think um, the Mountains now did it for us. Ah. Yeah, we're still on Wikipedia. people authorised it, or is that what you got to do? you got people yeah. validating that it's correct information? Yeah, I don't know. people were kind of updating it, but mm. then... So Bahrain, officially the kingdom of Bahrain, I didn't realise how small this place is. It is tiny. So it's 55, the main island of Bahrain is 55 kilometres long, but 18 kilometres wide. That's pretty small. Yeah, that is pretty small, isn't it? So I was wondering how they fit the course in there. And I guess um, the other thing that was interesting for me is I I was thinking that it was going to be stinking hot. And I know when we spoke to the the, the dude a couple of weeks ago about Bahrain, saying, oh, the weather's going to be perfect. And I was like, well, really? Is it going to be, you know, 35 degrees? That's perfect racing temperature. But no, it's actually, at this time of the year, 
the weather is just sort of in the, the, the mid low mid 20s. So oh, it so is perfect. It is yeah. perfect racing. A couple of the other things about Rat Bahrain that's going to be really interesting yeah. to see how they do. A 20 metre draft zone. So, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's great. Is it too much? Um, because yeah, when maybe. I saw that, I thought, I thought, well, it's cool that they're making that stand, but I thought mm. 20 is a big distance. It is. Especially because we're going to have a pretty, like, there's. There's going to be a pack, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and so if you want to pass someone, you're at the back of that pack. It's, it's a long way. Yeah. Oh, I was away. Who knows? I, we haven't seen it before. Um, although I know they do have a big draft zone in Western Australia where they're used to. So normally, normally it's twelve, isn't it? or seven to twelve, really, isn't it? Yeah, just that's a thing. It just changes for age group as it's different to, yeah. to pros. And, and and you know, you kind of think fifteen was the ultimate. So mm. twenty, I just saw it and I thought, wow, that seems quite long. It is long, and I don't really think there will be much assistance at twenty meters. No. Uh, there's still the psychological avant- uh, advantage of yeah. sitting at 20 metres and being, you know, you don't have to focus on the pace so much. Um, but yeah, I just think it's going to be really Do you want me to measure it out? I could go and walk away from you for 20 minutes and show you how far it is. You just keep on walking, buddy. Keep <laughs> oh, on walking. With the love. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really interested to see a, a how it pans out, feedback from the pros, and whether they can actually police it. I think when you have a small enough field, um, you can you should be able to, 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 to make it work but as you pointed out you know that passing is going to be um, that much more difficult so it means getting to the front of the pack early is important doesn't it mm, mm. you know like it, it really does um, be, yeah, really interesting. a couple of the other things that they're doing in Bahrain is uh, it just looks like they're going over the top in terms of trying to really look after the athletes and that's one of the things that challenge really prides itself on is they're trying not to, to do the WTC where you know you, sometimes you feel like they're just taking money off me left, right, and centre. One of the things that I saw that, that looked like they're doing is free bike assembly and free services yeah, for bikes. Cool. So that's pretty cool because I know a lot of athletes do, do struggle to make sure that their bikes are okay. But it is something you should learn. And uh, TV coverage is uh, you asked about this last week. Yeah, so they're going to have eagerly anticipated event triathlon fans from around the world can watch the race unfold with full online TV coverage from seven a.m., which is. It's 5 o'clock New Zealand time, Saturday night. It's oh, perfect. Really? Okay, perfect. Um, on race day, the coverage will be commentated by four-time world champion Chris McCormick and British sports commentator Oliver Wilson. Joined throughout the day by special guests, live coverage will continue until long after the pros have crossed the finish line, capturing every age group finisher until the course closes at 3.30pm. Online spectators can also be directly involved in the race with an opportunity to ask the commentators questions, vote in polls and share their thoughts on the race through integrated social media portal. The live coverage will be watched at challengebahrain.com.bh. In addition, ration race updates will be provided through Twitter at challenge underscore bh and challenge um, hashtag, hashtag challenge Bahrain. So that'd be cool. I think it'd be good. I think Mac is going to be fantastic, but I think you need somebody, who I assume is this Oliver Wilson, who's sort of your, your lead guy, yeah, and, yeah. and Macca feeds information, because uh, yeah, he just knows so much that's going on. I'm going to be really interested to see if they go to the same standard and level that ITU do. You know, they're, they're sort of the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. The, the coverage they do of ITU events is fantastic. Then you have sort of the... Lower end of things, the Kona coverage is probably what I'd call mid-level coverage, and then you have what they used to do on some of the other races with just a few fixed cameras here and there. Which so, is which is level. yeah, it's not pointless level. It's better than ah, better than pointless. nothing. It was good to see your friend come across the line. Yeah, that's it. They, they did at seventy point three when they actually had coverage. You know that wasn't the same level as Kona. So yeah, I mean, interesting to see. You know, they're throwing a lot of money at this. Whether they really go for it and give us some great coverage. Um, 
so yeah, I'll, I will be watching all that. Am as I said to Bevan before we started, I am out at the Wine and Food Festival, and then we're going out for dinner. But it is where with, you go for dinner, um, Kela Mockingbird. Okay. Um, but it is with the fillinator, so I said to the fillinator, we'll just get your little phone out there and just have it underneath the table. And we can Bring the iPad, just put it yeah. between you and yeah. the girls. The girls can sit on one side and we can sit on the other. <laughs> so looking forward to that. The other thing is on the bike course, you are doing a lap of the Formula One track. You are. So obviously the swim, 1.9Ks, it looks, uh, looks pretty nice. The bike... I can almost guarantee it is going to be a pack, as Bevan said. It kind of depends if it's one big pack or if we do get multiple packs going. Uh, I'd imagine the roads over there are going to be just super smooth and super fast, so expecting some really killer times. And, yeah, they they, cru- they cruise around the the F1 track, and, and it's kind of, kind of point-to-point sort of bike ride, but it's... Yeah, it's all over the place. And the run, yeah, it's like running through Arana Park type stuff. Well, they're doing that here. You can cross your chombo. I've seen that. I think this is slightly different. This is like a Arana Park is our local wildlife oh, park. Oh, it's an internationally recognised zoo. And the circuit around the park, maybe a K, K and a half or so. Oh, it's it's a, cool. You know what? I took you on a date once there. Yeah. It was a good strategy. Yeah. I'm not saying I picked up or anything afterwards, but it was, yeah. just, it was a nice place because you walk around, do a loop, have a bit of a talk, you look at some animals, mm-hmm. grab a coffee. No, we take the kids out there. Uh, but this wildlife park looks like it's proper big, you know. Yeah. More than 1K? More than 1K. Yeah. Uh, so that looks really, really cool. So I think overall, they've done a great job building this race up. Um, let's hope it delivers. Oh, you're picking Lanos at four. Oh, uh, look, so this, this is with my predicts, predictions that I've um, got to have now, to change we, we a little bit. We have to say, because Jan, Jan Fredino has mm-hmm. actually pulled out of the race, so that's unfortunate because... Frodino. You said it then, Fredino. No, I said Fredino. Okay, but I, I was going to say Frodo, and then I went Fredino, that's why. Um, but he's pulled out of the race, which is unfortunate because he was definitely the favourite. Yeah. Um, so John's done his picks, which he's put on im underscore or slash predictions.com. It's not slash, im slash hyphen. Okay. The predictions. Slash is a oh, true. down like that. Yeah. yeah. You guys all saw that. We went dip with my finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great podcasting. So this was, was my picks. I had uh, Jan Fredino, Michael Raylert, who's been on fire on the 70.3s. I, and then I had a couple of random picks here. Jeff Simons. I was basically going for fast runners. And Nico Lanos, he hasn't done much this year. I thought, he's, he's due a good oh, race. I'm really surprised you didn't pick Don, Tim Don. Yeah, Tim Donner. Uh, so I will go through the list of starters in a moment. And then I had Richie Nichols as well because he's a bloody legend runner. Girls side of things, I went Jody Swallow, Nikki Samuels, Annabelle Luxford, Miranda Carfrey, and Mary Beth Alice. Um, really what I was thinking there. I kind of think on the girls race that you might get a, away on the bike. A, a group going away on the bike, a group of the, the, the fast swimmers and people like Carfrey and the slower swimmers are just going to get left for dead. And you, know, you, you have Jodie Swallow, Annabelle Luxford, maybe Mary Beth Alice, maybe Joycey, a few people like that getting away. And I think over 70.3 when it's not Kona conditions, I think Miranda Carfrey is just going to get smoked. And I get the feeling that after Kona she has a bit of a, bit of a legs up, so I don't think she's going to be in the mix. In fact, I'd be surprised if she didn't get to the top five, but I thought you've got to, well, put, you, you've got to put the Kona, Kona champ in there. Well, I, 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 I did, was surprised by Lanos, I didn't think. That I, was just a random pick, you know. Because Tim Don. Yep, Tim Don. Um, so I went through, so if we, if we, look. If we look at the, the pro men's field, as, as I go to tryrating.com, because that is my source for all the accurate information, <laughs> and Very I think I counted on the guy's side of things so it's about 17 guys when I did this the other day that I wouldn't be whatsoever surprised if they got onto the podium. 
It's awesome, isn't it? Mm. That's, that's what you want. It is. So, and then on the girls' side of things, it's it's pretty similar. So, I'm just scrolling down to find it. Um, Bahrain, yes, am I? It's got so much information on each race that this is great podcasting, Bevan. Oh, Michael Weiss, he did really well last weekend. Uh, and then on yeah. the girls' side of things, I basically did the same. Let's have a pause and let's get this bloody thing in front of us. Okay, we talk up the site. Here we go. Um, pause. Where's my pause button? I can't even find my pause button, John. Ah. We're sharp as this morning, mate. Here we go. Here's a pause. We are back and uh, we're on the challengebahrain.com.bh website. And one of the reasons we're so excited about this race is it's the biggest prize money in our sport for a half to half iron distance race. Yep. So $100,000 for the winner. Second will be 50, 25 for third, 12 for fourth, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. So 10th place is $3,000. But I'd imagine they are also looking after these athletes pretty well outside of the race, which we know a lot of other events don't do. Some do it well, some don't. So A, there's big money on offer, and B, there is, uh, and hence you bring a big field. So if I go through the, the guys' start list, there's 56 guys on the start list. And, you know, so Sebastian Kingley, podium potential. Pete Jacobs, Dirk Bockel, Jan Fredillo's not racing. Nils Frumholb, Timo Brack, Michael Raylert, all those guys, podium potential. Tim Van Berkel, Jeff Simons, I'm just reading off ones. James like Kanana. James Kanama, Tyler Butterfield, Tim Don, Richie Nichols, Tim O'Donnell, um, Tim Reid, Brad Carterfeld, Nico Lanos. Brad Carterfeld? Yeah. Courtney Atkinson. Hasn't done much, but... Oh, no, he's done some good 70.3s. Yeah. yeah. So he just needs, especially when the bike is not overly hard, uh, I think he stands a, stands a good chance. Um Luke Bell, uh, as you scroll through, there's just, you know, even guys like Fraser Cartmel could be, you know, a, a rank outsider for getting on the podium. So, yeah, when I went through the other day, I think I counted 17 guys that I would not be surprised at all if they actually got in there. Girls side of things, you got Carfrey, Joyce, Stefan, Vatikova, Holscheidt, who won in Phuket last weekend, Jody Swallow. Um, I guess one of the in- interesting ones will be um, Jody Stimpson, who's a young 25 year old ITU athlete who earlier this year, first half of the year, was just crushing mm. it. Second half of the year was uh, was not doing too much. Then, what happened there? Because it was the first half of the year, she was like. Yeah, well, I think she went to the Commonwealth Games, and after that, I don't know. I, I assume she either didn't train much or got an injury. Okay. Yeah. Then Mary Beth, Haley Fredrickson, Nikki Butterfield, Mary Beth, as you said, Annabelle Luxford's more of a seventy point three specialist. Lisa Norden, who is the Olympic silver medalist, Paula Finlay, um, she's a young girl who was just crushing it. A couple of years ago, and is sort of on the, the comeback trail. But yeah, a couple of years ago, she was an ITU legend. And then um, also Nikki Samuels from New Zealand. So it's just a wide open race. But I think on the guys' side of things, it really will come down to a runner. Yeah. And on the girls' side of things, I think it'll come down to a swim. It'll be more of a, a swim bike, good runner, uh, not necessarily one of the you know, Holsteits or, or um, Carfrey, I think they might be a little bit off the pace. Well, it's interesting. It I'm is interesting. Well, no, so there's a thousand people racing, isn't there? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Mm. That's really good. Mm. Jeepers, creepers, well done. Like, you know, like, this is what we want from the sport, isn't it? We want good prize money, great racing, you know, like, 
Good on them. It's a big challenge. Yeah. So go challenge Bahrain. Check it out this weekend. Make sure you do get online. Check out the coverage. Um, support the event. That's one way you can give it a little plug. Is you know if they can say right, we got five gazillion people watching the race. Let's keep it rolling. Yep. So good stuff. I'm challenge. sure that's what's going to happen. Five mm. gazillion people. Mm. Yep. Um, also coming up this weekend, we have got Ironman Western Australia, and as you'll hear from Torsten later on in the show. Yeah, it's got a much bigger field than what it has had in the past couple of years, especially on the, the girls' side of things. And the girls' race in particular uh, should be pretty interesting. So last year we had Elizabeth Lyles take it out, and then on the guys' side of things, Jeremy uh, Jerkowitz. And this year it is a 2,000-point race, $50,000 prize money. David Dello is seeded number one, Clayton Fatel and Joe Gambles. Uh, along with Christian Kemp, so very much an Australian feel for the boys. 30 pros racing, but that's pretty good. There is. Uh, I'm still am fascinated to see Andreas Neerdrig's name coming up. I've, I've talked about this before. This guy has been around the same, he was sort of in the same era as Jürgen, Zach and, and so on. So really? he is still going. But does it go any good? Um, I ne- we never look post, do we? No, we don't. Maybe we should have a look next week. Yeah. Girls' race should be fantastic, though. So you've got last year's winner, Elizabeth Lyles, who uh, is, is a great runner. She went sub nine last year. But then you've also got Liz Blatchford and Yvonne Van Vluchen. Oh. So I think those three should have you know, a fantastic little battle. And Liz Blatchford more or less needs to just validate for Kona. She had a top 10. I can't remember exactly where she was in the top 10. Maybe it was 10th, but she was there or thereabouts in Kona. So just needs some some points there. In Yvonne Van Vlerken, who won Florida a couple of weeks ago without the swim. Uh, so she'll be coming from a fair way back. And Elizabeth Lyles, who is a fantastic runner. So good luck to everybody racing over there. A little bit. Oh, we've got um, the Hits Palm Springs plus 226 Ball Hall in Philippines. Yes. And uh, so that's what's coming up this weekend. Bit of sad news this week. Steve Head, um, quite an innovative character in the sport. Um, Head. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Head is uh, the, the wheels, um, you know, disc wheels, deep rim wheels, and he was very much one of the guys who was an innovator, started on early in the sport. You know, Molina has always been on, oh, I don't know always, but he was riding Head f- forever and they sponsored some epic camps as well and apparently he was just one of those the Good nice guys, guys. Yeah. And so it's a real shame we never got the opportunity to yeah, have legends. him on legends because yeah. this was a very sudden death I don't think he was particularly old now, I'm not, they didn't stay on slow twitch was it a heart attack or something but basically someone went outside at work and he was just basically mm. clapped on the ground and I think I saw somewhere he was 59 so it's yeah not, he was 59 yeah. yeah so really sad loss for us because yeah as I said he was it was one of the innovators and apparently he was just the nicest guy on slow twitch it said like you know when he was sponsoring athlete even once they stopped racing he still kept you know sending them stipends and stuff and just keep looking after him and you know kept looking after Melina for, for years so I've asked Melina to come on the show at some stage in the next couple of weeks just to talk through um, about what sort of guy he was because he really is one of the, the innovators of our sport and uh, and really one of the guys who, who started the whole momentum of using you know, aero wheels and uh, and he you know, ended up um, as much as we all know Lance Armstrong is not the, the nicest character on the planet it was very much he was invited into that team and worked with him and Levi Leipheimer and, and you know, the cyclists and, and what have you all really respected him so well, Scott Tinley on, on, at the bottom of the he did a post on the <coughs> Facebook post around the slow twitch 
article and it's just got Steve was what we call an all-in, all-night guy. If he committed to work on your bike or picking you up from the airport or just being a friend when you needed one, Steve Head was all-in and on many occasions he'd stay up all night being your mechanic or your sponsor or your friend. I don't have many friends like that. They are rare. Now that is that, uh, now there's one less really good person in the world. So, you know, it sounds like just a really awesome person that's sad to see him gone. So... Yeah, said no. Um, Jumbo sponsor. I'm regretting a number of things here, Bevan. Oh, what'd you regret? Wait a second, let me, let me get your first um, thing you're regretting. Not beating Pod. Yes. Because it's definitely a subject of today's show. It is. Second thing, um, not sure. Okay. It's not taking my immune boost. Oh, is that why you I wouldn't sick? be sick if I'd been taking it. I started taking it yesterday. It's all a bit late. Oh, a bit late now. Yeah. So I'm regretting not taking my immune boost because when I was taking that. Your immune that, is crap right now. It is. Listen and to you. I hope, you, I hope, you, I hope you're on Blowing it. your nose. Listen, he's got his tissue out. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh yeah. People are not here. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not making it up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so the thing was, he turned away. He was like, he wasn't even it was close to the Full, mic. full volume there. <laughs> so yes, I do regret all the way through winter. Took my immune boost. Don't recall getting sick at all. Come off it. Not training much. That's my regret number one: is not taking my immune boost when I should be, and uh, just staying on top of my health because yeah, I'm not feeling. You've fallen right casted since going to have a chat. Second regret <laughs> is. Not taking my uh, extreme endurance because last night went for a run, as I said, with uh, the Philinator, 75-minute session, quite a bit of core and stuff in there. Today, feeling a little bit, you know, did, oh, some, chi- you did, some, did, some, did some chin-ups and oh, did How many chin-ups do you do? I, normally I try to get up to about nine, maybe ten, and That's do a couple good. of sets. Do you get, are you full range kind of guy? Or do you oh, yeah, it? no, full range. No, you're, hanging, you're hanging right down. You've got to go all the way down, hang, and then you're allowed to go back up. None of this half down and back up. I'm, I suck at that movement. Mm-hmm. But yes, yesterday was uh, like that. What's that considered? Yeah, it's close grip. Yeah. Close grip. Yeah. It's wide like that. Yeah. yeah, no, okay, close then. Yeah. Uh, I think I only managed six yesterday. Yeah, I'm good for 10 mm. at best. Mm. And, and so, I'm, I'm doing some humping of those hips at the last figure, <laughs> I tell you. So I'm sucking on the health front because I haven't taken my immune boost. Sucking on the uh, just general soreness because I'm not taking my ex-endurance. So if you don't want to be, you know, in my position, get on it, people. Pop that immune boost, especially if you're leading into a race. That last couple of months, if you're not going to take things year-round, cool. But if you're going into that last couple of months before your main race, look after yourself and stay healthy, be consistent. Um, for Kiwis and Aussies, you know, you're going into the main part of the season, especially around the Christmas time, you can start, the old diet can start to go out the window a bit. Yep. And so Party look after season. yourself and check it out, xendurance.com. Any other regrets? What's your name? Yeah, damn that. <laughs> yeah, it was cold in that tent last night. <laughs> okay, uh, discussion of the week. Last week's discussion of the week was, uh, is there a better entry process? I can't remember what that is, Jumbo. Because we had, last week we had Ironman Arizona, and that sold out on site basically to people who volunteered or were racing. And the number of people that, you know, rightly or wrongly, weren't too happy about that, so we thought we'd just put it out there as a bit of a discussion topic. And we got lots of comments on it, didn't we? It was, we it was, did. It was a popular post. So the, basically, I'll start off. Um, I, I think the general consensus is, well, you can start scanning, but the general consensus is, good for volunteers. If, if you volunteer, yep. um, don't have a problem with that. Good on you for volunteering. But there were a number of other angles, and 
go through them. So Glenn Newbold, who I'm not sure if Glenn still lives in that area or not. He used to. 3,700 spots. You know where he lives. You definitely stalk all the listeners. Oh, yeah. You're like Mike Riley. You, yeah. you, every day before the show, you do your research on the listeners. Yeah. 3,700 spots were sold in 2014 events. So this, he's talking about the year, this year with 3,000 athletes actually making it to the start line. That's 700 people that signed up That's that didn't a race. Good bit of that money. is good that money. Is, that is good money. Um, with Ironman overselling. Money for nothing. Yeah. With Ironman overselling the race like they are doing, they should have spots set aside for international athletes who have no chance at volunteering at the event I feel such events like Arizona athletes who race shouldn't get priority over everyone else for the following year's race and race hog year after year all, all which all the locals do allow for more diverse field and not the same old faces going around year after year well, interesting Rob Gray's got being an uh, AWA gold I just relaxed on my couch chair drunk and drink in hand and registered online a week in advance now if you know fair enough that's all good but he has got here but regular plebs also had the option. Regular plebs, <laughs> those lesser people, also have the option to take a Silverman IM Arizona package online for nine hundred fifty dollars a few days before registration opened up on site. So upselling people, yeah, that's which is interesting. Arno Selikov, once again, we might look at Challenge Road. Um, number one, the day after the race, you can register on site, athletes or volunteers, but it is capped, I think, to the first 1,000. Number two, online registration a few days after the general entry again, capped at 2,000. And number three, a bit before Christmas, they release another uh, shoot of 500 to 800 slots, giving the opportunity for the ones unable to make it on site or in front of a computer at general, when general entries open to get in. It sounds simple, fair and nicely thought. I also think it is good to have spots for volunteers, but it should be limited in quantity, as otherwise they very much looks like WTC is taking us by the hand and making you volunteer first to get the right to the race. And the big dirty secret of our sport is that really, if they had to play for volunteers, it'd be a totally different game, wouldn't it? You know, well, this is a, it's a big money saver, because if they don't get the volunteers, they do have to pay them. And, yeah. and this is one bugbear that I have. They send out these press releases to us saying, oh, we've donated all this money to the local yeah. uh, area. And it's like, well, no, you're paying them to be your volunteers. Yeah. You're not just going, we're going to give you $200,000. You're going, was we'll give you $200,000 if you provide <coughs> us with 4,000 um, volunteers. Well, it was interesting. I was down in Queenstown a couple of weekends ago for the Queenstown Marathon, and it's the first year running the event. And it's a very, I don't know who's putting it on, but they did a pretty good job first year. And, yeah. uh, and <coughs> you know, they sold 5,000 you know, or four, five, six thousand people came and did the race first year, which is massive in New Zealand. And uh, I was speaking to a few of the locals before the race, and they were like, "It's really interesting because they were one of these volunteers, but they're taking us profit." And the, and the locals are actually a bit anti. Mm-hmm. And like the day before the race, so not long before the race, so getting with these emails, "Oh, we'll pay you, we'll pay you for volunteers." Mm. So it's really interesting that you know when these big organisations are coming in and making big profit. The volunteers are maybe getting a bit more anti in, in situations like that. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Charles has got, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there's a ton of other races. Stop the sobbing and get on with it. If you really wanted Arizona in 2015, you would have volunteered and got the pre-package entry. Otherwise, you're leaving it to chance. Michael Johnson, I was one who was shut out online. I was going to register. I have no problem with volunteers uh, getting first up. I do have a problem with giving away early entry to some all-world athletes or Silverman slash Ironman Arizona combo slots. Those who wanted to register online had no chance. Oh, well, 
I will do another Ironman next fall. Is Silverman like a 70.3 or something? Yeah. Okay. Um, Penny Cummings has got, uh, there should be an international slots available online as it is huge for us to fly there. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge ask for us to fly there and volunteer and then do it again the next year just to compete. John Ballard, I believe there are usually charity slots for those that can't volunteer slash register in person. Perhaps for those that are on more of a budget, they could be some online slots reserved for those international athletes that volunteer at an Ironman closer to home. So there you go, that's another angle. So for us Kiwis, impossible to go, not impossible, nothing's impossible, anything's possible Bevan, uh, but for, fairly unrealistic for us to fly to Arizona if we wanted to do that race, but let's say we it's went a and system, but if you do that. volunteered at Ironman New Zealand, then you can say, well, okay, you can get us another Ironman. To me... That's a bit corrupt if you're, if, if you're making people volunteer as a way to mm. enter. Because mm. really, let's say you and I go, okay, we want to go to America and do a race next year, but we know all of them are sold out, so our only chance is to do the volunteer. Now, if we've got to go volunteer at Taupo, that's got to cost us a thousand bucks. You realistically, to fly to Taupo, to, you know, to do your accommodation, your food, and all the rest of it, you're probably yep. looking at a K. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then they get a free, you know, they, oh, we're giving back to the community. Yeah. You know, so mm, I don't know about that. Eddie, Eddie Farrell, Farrell says, tell the people that don't volunteer and are crying to put a sock in it. Everyone knows if you want to plan next year's Iron Man, you go and volunteer. Hate crybabies. Hashtag suck it up. Okay, Mark Cathway, uh, Cathcart has got, uh, I'd take a different view. I admit to doing the Iron Man Arizona in 2009 through the Iron Man Executive Challenge. It was a good deal given I didn't have to uh, go through to be a volunteer the year before. So I'd say this, the lack of transparency about the slots are filled, how the slots are filled, is what makes people unhappy. Uh, between the charity slots, the foundation slots, the tour slots, the executive challenge slots and other slots, all not publicly available, and now these new combination entries where you buy two entries, it's starting to look like WTC wants to make its money uh, to make it mandatory to attend races the years before in order to get in place. I have a friend who has uh, offered an age group place on the list price a month before I'm in Florida this year because it hadn't <coughs> sold in... Right there? He's dying. Yeah. And one of these pre-allocated slots. So imagine every year they bump a number of pre-allocated slots. How does everyone feel about having to go to a race to register or pay over the top for it? You don't even get paid to volunteer. No money goes to local community charity when you volunteer and you are asked to travel and for accommodation to give your time to a corporation that makes hundreds of millions of dollars every year. I tell you, one person that was getting very fired up was Kevin Jones. I read out Eddie Farrell's post just before, and Eddie and Kevin were just going back and forth. Oh, really? Kevin Jones said, narrow-minded, insular, and typical American attitude. Ooh. People across Europe volunteer for the love of it. If you don't have this system, look how successful it would be, or would it crash and burn? Uh, and then it carries on. Um, and, he's, and he's posted the similar stuff on a number of them, saying uh, he doesn't necessarily agree with them. So, So what was his point? He's just saying that it's a, it's a dumb system and Americans saying just suck it up and go and go and volunteer. He's just not happy with that. You should be volunteering for the love of it, not just because you're going to volunteer because you want something at the end of it. Sorry if John, I... John, your yes. thoughts. So my thoughts are, <clears throat> I guess it's it's hard for us. In New Zealand, this isn't, isn't a problem. Tony Hodge called me out and said, fact check for you, John. On-site registration was available the day after Ironman New Zealand this year and also after Ironman Kens, if I remember correctly. I suspect Ironman Age Pacific are testing the waters um, with it, so is it likely to offer it at similar other events? But for us in New Zealand, Ironman New Zealand never sells out 
straight away. I well, think it's, I think one, it's sold, year one, one year yeah. sold out. And most of our races down here don't sell out quickly. So we, I guess we're not used to this problem. Um, my opinion is priority sign up for athletes is rubbish. If you're on, if you've done the race, I don't think yeah. you should why, why, any right yeah. to to get. If you're on site or whatever, or online, whatever, there's no, there's no, you shouldn't be able to get an advantage of doing doing that. Um, I do think vol- I think it's great that they encourage people to volunteer for the races, but with a little caveat. You know, as we discussed, you kind of. It's it's just a little you've got if you've got to volunteer to get in. Um, I think rewarding people who volunteer, saying if you want to race, you can. But I think that number needs to be capped because if Ironman Arizona, if you have you know three thousand people turning up to volunteer, then again it's, it's shutting the door for for everybody else. So kind of don't quite know about that one. It seems to me that challenge has the answer. You know mm. what they're doing in road mm. is a good approach that kind of fairly looks after people who look after the race. Yeah, but also gives an opportunity for everybody else out there to get along because you know road is such an iconic race and it sells out every year and everyone wants to go and do it. And uh, you know they, they they probably could just do exactly what Arizona's done. Mm. And uh, so I think uh, having I do think you need to have an international quota. I think that adds a bit to the race when you've got an, some internationals in there and clearly it's a lot more difficult for internationals to travel to to races. But all we go back, at the end of the day, life's not fair and there are plenty of other races out there. It's not like there's one race. But to flip that on the other side... Oh, this, you're, this, you're your own devil's advocate. I am, yeah? I am. I'm thinking, this is my job. again, if this was a New Zealand example where we do only have one Ironman, one Ironman we have two races, we have Challenge Monica as well. Because let's be honest, if you just look at New Zealand and Australia... It's kind of similar as being in America. Mm. So you could say, well, John, you can go to Australia and do a race. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I wonder if I would feel differently about this if, if I wanted to go and do Ironman New Zealand next year and I had and to go up there him. and volunteer, I'd be going, hmm. If there was a choice, like in America, there's a bit more choice. You can go, I'm not going to do Ironman Arizona, but I'll go and do Ironman Texas. So I know they're not, maybe not quite next to each other, but there is a bit more choice. But for Kiwis and Aussies who maybe don't have that same luxury, it's um, slightly different. So, yes, I think the system's a bit broken. And I think the main things you, uh, that need to change is the. Pevin, um, what's your opinion? <laughs> well, I, I just don't know what to. Th- because even online is still just luck of the draw, isn't it? It is. You know what I mean? And uh, and so do you want to create a system that's just luck of the draw and first in, first serve kind of system, or do you want to create a system that rewards certain types of behaviours? And it seems that what they're saying right now is that we're rewarding certain types of behaviours. We're rewarding, if you're willing to give us free time, then mm. that we can use to benefit us, then you get the reward of being first mm-hmm. in line. We, we seem to be rewarding you just for turning up. You know, so if you turn up one year, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. Uh, we also seem to be rewarding you pay more money. Mm. So, you know, you can do more races, you can go for the next level kind of higher standard, the executive challenge and things like that. So, uh, and also be rewarding you for based on our all world athletes. So there's, you know, that's how they're choosing to reward people. So in that process, it's almost like once you get in that world, you're pretty sweet. Mm. But to get in that world is the hard part. And it, it, it's maybe unfair and ironically, it's kind of unfair for the people who haven't done the sport before. Mm. So let's say I've, I've done a couple of triathlons and I want to do an Ironman. If, if this was the standard around the whole world, then it becomes really hard to do an Ironman. Mm. And I wonder if that ends up hurting Ironman in the long run. Like, obviously, this is a bit of a unique case, but let's say it just gets bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, a lot of races are in this situation. Do a lot of people... Yeah. No, but I would say that if you... Yeah, one system they could introduce is um, if you miss out one year, maybe you get a higher priority yeah. to get in the following year. Um, and 
make it a, yeah just a fairer system. So yeah, missed out this year, but you've got a better chance of getting in next year. But uh, I do think it's a it's potentially a problem we need to start thinking about a little bit more. Um, but I think it, they'll probably just start slapping on more races. But well, what about price factor? Do you think if they put the price up? Does that I think, and I think we've I think we've seen in the past that no, you know people, people have paid for New York they paid you know nine hundred fifty bucks or whatever to enter. Um, that was a shambles too, wasn't it? You've been mm, with that. Mm. Um, just I, an interesting. I like the way Challenge do it. I really think the way they they, they do road mm-hmm. is a really good solution. So if I go through that again, and this may not be hundred percent right, but Arnold Silikov said first day after the race you re- can register on site, athletes or volunteers, but is capped to the first one thousand. Then they open up um, some more slots online, um, again capped at 2,000. Then around Christmas time, they open up another five or 800. And yeah, seems to be a system that works fairly well. Because the other thing about this is it does encourage people paying more money. Mm-hmm. Like it does, you know, and ultimately WTC is a business that needs to make more money. So for them, this system works really well because you do get lots of people who go, well, I'll just do that double entry thing or... Or I'll do the executive challenge yeah. or I'll do the, the, the charity slot. Yeah, mm. so in some ways, and and it doesn't, you know, I pretty much guarantee they don't worry about volunteers at Arizona, mm. you know, so tough one, tough one. I definitely feel sorry for someone, let's say it's your first year doing a triathlon or, or, you, or you finally decide this is you do an Ironman and you go online and it's sold off, mm. you know, like that sucks. But then, you know, it also sucks when you go online and it sells out real quick. Yep. So it's a hard one. It's a, it's a good problem for WCTC to have, isn't it? It is. You know? um, Jonbo, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is, let me have a look here. I've just got it up here. We've got, would a challenge championship work for age groupers or would it lure, and would it lure you to this race? So if challenge were to come around and, and they're going to have, you know, because they're going to have a world championship real soon. Mm. You know, it's the first time we've always pushed them about it. And, and Kona this year, when I interviewed the, the guys from Challenge, they definitely said, nah, we're having a championship race. Hopefully, they're going to chuck a million bucks at it. Hopefully, you know, if they can pour 500k for this race coming up this weekend, hopefully, we can put big money, which is, you know, going to be a similar type of field, probably even a better field, mm. just for Ironman pros. Do you think that would then work as a as an age group race that would be appealing for you to actually want to go along and race it. Mm. So that's the ultimate question really, isn't it? It is. It, it, is it, it would be nice to know some details. Like, you know, what, when, where and all that kind of stuff. But Well, <clears throat> let's, let's say it's a half iron distance race. No, no, we'll, we'll say it's oh, a full. We'll say it's a full? Yeah. Okay, so it's basically like... Because Bahrain's kind of the championship race in, yeah. in some way. Just interested to know if, if you know, because... ITU Worlds, how much pull does that have versus Kona versus... For the age group, it's a, it's a pretty big pull, isn't it? Well, it's not as big a pull as Kona or anything oh, like that. Oh, but long course you were talking about. Yeah, long course. But, yeah. the, but the... ITU long distance Worlds. The, the sprints, I mean, the Olympics are pretty appealing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Location depends a lot on that. I guess, does it? Yeah, yeah. So if it was in Australia, then you're going to get lots of Kiwis going. If yeah. it's in Europe... Probably less so. So, you know, would it, like, so you got Kona, you'd have ITU Long Distance Worlds, and say you have Challenge World Championships as well. How much pull would that have for you, just because it's a, another strong brand? And I have a question to put on top of that is, how much, what would Challenge need to do to make it more prestigious than Kona? Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, um, Joe, Joe, Joe Bex is the... What do we call it? Stalker, I think, probably. No, no, no Tanya's, Zanya's the stalker. Ah. Oh. Joe was the stalker, but yeah. we gave her another nickname because we were really given Zanya. Um, but Joe Bex interviewed Mark Allen, and he, like the question was, uh, 
you know, what would you do if you took, you know, bought um, WTC or if you became the owner? And it was very much um, the first thing I would do is confirm that Kona is going to be the race forever. You know, like mm. this is such an important race. Now, ultimately, something could take it away. Something could give it another race the prestige because we've seen great races that had big history in the past disappear. So, what would be a race? What what would Challenge need to do to actually make it more important than Kona? You know. Mm. Yeah, so there we go. I'm just working on statistic. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna veto my, I'm gonna veto myself and and do a different stat. I'm not not. Just I thought, I thought, I thought we, one. Do you think? Well, I thought it was. But okay, no, 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 go back, go no, back. No, no, you no. do what you do. You trust no, yourself. Trust no. yourself, John. Trust yourself. I'll go with my original instincts. Right, I got statistic now. Yes. Okay, I'll put some music on. Okay, go for it. Some I can't even say the bloody word. What is it? Statistic. Statistic, not statistic. I can't remember what I said last week. I think, I think statistic is, is what we'll go. Statistic. Statistic. Here we go. So it's with an S. <coughs> then I'll put some music on. Statistic. We're just talking about old newsreaders and we're talking about Richard Long, who was a yeah. New Zealand newsreader for years and was just saying how once he stopped being the newsreader, we never saw him again. No. Yeah, Probably not going to mean much for you. Can you remember Dougal, Dougal Allen? Yeah. I, I vaguely remember him being the newsreader. Yeah, Judy Bailey. Judy Bailey. She was like our icon. She really was. They got rid of it, didn't when they? When they had the, you know, when they had the, they always say the people you trust the most and the people you trust the least, you know, you had your lawyers and politicians at the bottom yeah. and then always had at the top like your newsreaders. Yeah. They have so much power. And, and I'll be honest, John, I know some some rumours, well, actually factual rumours about certain newsreaders <laughs> from, from New Zealand's history. Right. And maybe they aren't the most trustworthy people of all right. time. So just that's all I'm going to say. Jombo, statistic. It's a new it's a new weekly occurrence on the show that John said's always going to be here. Always he, going to deliver. He's delivered. He has delivered. He, While well, he's blowing his nose again, that tissue. I don't it's think not looking too healthy. Just saying. Just saying that Hinky is definitely working hard today. Yeah. Uh, so statistic, John. Boy, what are you? What, what's the piece of gold you're going to give us this week? Yeah, so I had uh, Adrian Maisie pop this through to me, and he because he heard about statistic. This was this was what one of the things that inspired oh, statistic. Uh, Who's Adrian Maisie? He did Kona a couple of years ago. Oh, good work, Adrian. Got one or two kids now. Oh, it's all New, changed. New York sort of investment banker type. Oh, nice. You sponsor Yeah. Uh, Morgan Stanley sponsors IM Talk. In the event this is insightful, please see below and attached. The athletic organisation industry, this is my stat, which provides event management services for endurance sporting events such as marathons and, and triathlons is estimated to generate $1.4 billion revenue in 2014. Now, John, I haven't looked at the little, little graph you got here, but the thing that really disturbed me, which I didn't read when I wasn't reading this, but I see it now. You didn't read when you weren't reading it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Marathons. That kind of ruins that whole statistic for me. It does. Because if it wasn't marathons... How much money on their pockets taken away? Yes. Well, th this is marathons is a big revenue. It is, and this is why I was backpedaling a bit. But you encouraged me uh, to stick with my. So. The fact I hadn't read it probably didn't help my encouragement. Yeah. So anyway, this is a bit of just a general endurance events. One point four billion dollars, and interestingly enough, um, so that's uh, what's that? Fourteen hundred million. Mm. So World Triathlon Corporation accounts for gets fifteen percent of that revenue. Quite a lot. 
Okay, wait a second. There you go. go Bevan's there. got the calculator. I okay, knew that right. was going to happen. I was pausing. I was waiting for what him to go. What, what I'm just going to pull my calculator 1. out. 1.4 billion, is it? 1.4 billion. They get 15% of that. Uh, competitor group get 9.2%. New York runners, which I'd imagine do the New York Marathon and a few others, they get 4.6. IMG Worldwide get 4%. Chicago runners get uh, 2%. Boston, who do the Boston Marathon, get 1.3%. Hits get 0.1 of a percent. My calculator's not big enough, John. Where's it going to go put my, my, my pretty <laughs> and then, but, calculator? But the big stat here is all other, and this is we're talking endurance related sports they account for 63% so I guess what you could take out of that is World Triathlon Corporation outside of the others is taking up the biggest percentage of revenue in endurance related sports I don't even know how my big calculator works because I say 14 billion oh no 1.4 billion mm. so a second That's and this is for the United States endurance events by type there's 30,000 events that they've got listed here. 5K events make up half of that at 15,000. Uh, other is 4,400. That's 210 million. Mm. WGC take. Okay. That's according to this this here. Um, so uh, bad. Yeah. Triathlons. How much the pros? 0.5 of that. Yeah. So, so triathlons take up uh, 14% of events in America. And in so terms of the... Of the 210 million according to the statistic, mm. they pay $10 million to the pros. No, they don't pay that much. So 5%. We'll find, we'll find out. That's a, that's a stat for next week. We'll find out. Oh, that's your next... You're going to do homework on this one. How much you're prize gonna, money? You, wow, I'm fascinated. Mm. To, I can't wait for yeah. next week's show. US t- uh, top 100 races by geographical distribution. Uh, the most uh, in the northeast with 30. Midwest, 15. Southeast, 28. Southwest, 15. Uh, 21, and you guys in the northwest, uh, nice and lazy, you only do 6%. <laughs> there you go, that's statistic for this week. It wasn't my strongest, but I'll be back next week with more. Wasn't your strongest? Yeah. Well, it's only one of two. So you're saying last week was stronger? It was. Okay. What was last week's one? Um, the the first guy to go under eight in the first. It was, no. Um, oh, I mean. He was the fastest Ironman on debut, 7.55, was by, what's what his name? Come on. Come on, man. Maybe a step from last week. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. You've got to remember. So I'm going to pull up statistics from last week. I know, I know he's Talk, Canadian. And we're going to go Iron Talk show notes. And, okay, 4.39. His name has just eluded me. And okay. he's been a great 70.3 athlete. Okay, I've got it, John. I've got it in front of me. Okay, let's play the game. <laughs> okay. Let's play the game. I'll, I'll give you a clue. Yeah. How can I give a clue? It's not too much. Okay. Kind of a clue. WWF. WWF. <laughs> kind of. It doesn't help me at all. Okay. Are we, are we, talk, are we talking WWF uh, fighter? The uh, wrestling? Yes, the wrestling. It's not the Macho Man. No. It's not uh, Andre the, no. the Giant. Although I read a book last week, um, The Princess Bride, the movie. You seen that movie? Mm, yeah. Get your kids yep. to watch that one of yep. the best movies of all time. And... Honestly, no one took more highly of Andre the Giant ever. Like, sounds like he's the most beautiful human being ever. Mm. Like, yeah. But anyway, uh, okay. Next clue, WWF. Next clue, commentator. Um, something in the links to the first clue. Oh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. Oh, Brett McMahon. <laughs> yeah, that was a good clue, wasn't it? It was Vince McMahon. <laughs> nice. I a like man. It. Yeah. Who was the other guy? Uh, Jesse Ventura. Jesse the Body, the body Ventura. Ventura. There you go. Oh, that was sensational. <laughs> we should do that every week. Bevan's quiz of the week. 
Jog my memory. There you go. Brett McMahon went 7.55 last uh, couple of weeks ago and was the fastest Ironman on debut. And since we're doing statistic, let's uh, let's get someone who loves a bit of stats on the show. We've got Thorsten Rad from tryreading.com and he's going to be talking about the KPR. Here we go. Go. Righty-ho, back on the show is another podcaster extraordinaire these days, uh, Torsten from tryrating.com, who also produces the KPR and uh, also IM Predictions, so welcome back to the show, oh, Torsten. Wait, so you can back it up, the geek. The geek, yes. <laughs> we've got to, you know, we've got to get him on the show, we've got to say the name. Yeah, welcome back, Torsten. <laughs> hey, I, I, I paid for it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, you earned that Thanks name. for having me again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although you did get the name before you paid for it, I think. You're, you're, yeah, I think you gave me the name and then I made it official yeah, with a donation right. too. Right. Yeah, it's only official once you give us money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So there's uh, lots been happening. Obviously, um, you had all your, your Kona predictions. Uh, just out of interest, did, um, did many people get even remotely close with their uh, Kona predictions? I mean, the, the the guy that wasn't in the predictions at all was, was Ben Hoffman. I think we had like two people who had him in, in their top three. Yeah. So he was the total surprise. And I guess that more or less reflects how um, everyone was, was uh, expecting the race to pan out. But we had a couple of people uh, pick in uh, Sebi for the win. And I guess Rini was the the canonical pick for, for the win uh, on the women's side too. So lots of people got that right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's um, changes that uh, the reason I was really keen to get you on is WTC are making some changes to the to the KPR and, and I, I don't really think they've been publicised very much um, and you're the expert that tends to, to know everything on this and also the implications of it so I guess um, if we look at the changes um, firstly maybe if you could run through the changes that you've seen in the KPR since it first um, came in which I think maybe was 2011 so maybe go through the changes up until this year and then we can sort of talk through the changes that are made for, for 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the system was implemented like around, I think the first year was 2011 and um, they had some, some smaller changes and some bigger changes and um, lots of things are more or less the same from, from what it was initially. So uh, stuff that, that did change that some people may, may remember um, originally, they had wild cards that they would be able to give out. I don't think that there was ever used. Um, I think they gave like a medical exemption uh, uh, exception for for Natasha Batman one year, but that's about all that they used the wild card for. And I guess they just had that in there in case there were some holes in the system, so they never really needed that. Um, other changes were they changed the number of female slots from 30 where it was initially to 35. The girls just uh, keep in wanting more. 2013. Don't they? The, the, yeah, we're right. Oh, 30, 35. Now they want 50. Can I ask your opinion on this? Because you know there is, you know, there is the female argument. Well, lots of people's argument, but saying you know it should be just fair and or you know even. And then some people were saying, well, actually, if we look at the number of females racing in the sport, 35 is a fair number in comparison to the male males. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I think there's there's pretty good arguments for making the number more or less even. I don't think it has to be 50. Um, it could be a lower number, but I think there should be a similar number of, of women as there should be men in, in Kona because you're looking at not participation numbers uh, for deciding where, where the top should be, but I think the level of racing on the men's side and comparatively on the women's side are, are pretty much equal. And I think the women's race this year, as a good example, it was much more interesting. 
are much more contested than the men's race w would have been. I mean, you had at, at least three or four people that would have been able to win uh, the race on the run, whereas um, on the men's side, uh, once Sebi was away on the bike, I mean, it would have needed a pretty big explosion for for him to not win the race on the run. So all in all, I think the, the women's racing has been so exciting over the, the last few years and the number of close decisions in Kona and Otherware that um, I don't see why they shouldn't have the same number of, of uh, participants in Kona. And I don't really see what, what the problem is of adding a couple of extra slots. I mean, it's not like it's taken, it's a, it's a, it's a space issue. I don't know what's, what's keeping WTC from, from adding these slots in there. So, the, so the, what you're saying is that the quality is, is more or less the same for the girls and guys, but the guys have just got more quantity in terms of number of pro athletes. Yes, I mean, that's, that's undisputed too, that there are more men, uh, professional and otherwise uh, racing Ironman races. And that makes that so that's the argument for having more slots for the men. But I think for um, the absolute top uh, of the field, I mean, you don't have um, fewer women racing in the Olympic finals than uh, than uh, men, even if there are fewer people swimming, or running or, or biking or whatever you are. So, and I think that should should also apply to uh, the pro category in Kona. So a couple of the other changes they've made, they've, they've tweaked you know, how many points there are for Kona and, and some of the other races in terms of uh, the number of points for, for top 10 athletes and so on? Yeah, they used to have like like a P1000 races. Um, that, that's gone. Kona moved up to P8000, so it's, it's even more important uh, now. And the drop-off that was relatively uh, flat is, is much steeper now, so uh, top three places are much get much more... Uh, points or are much better rewarded comparatively than uh, in the old scheme. I mean that that those were all changes that they did up to 2014, and then there were some some big announcement in the summer uh, for the 2015 qualifying year and so on. Um, one of that was um, that they wanted to reduce the number of uh, Ironman races with uh, pro status. So uh, the picture that we got was that that there would be fewer races uh, with professional points and professional price purses in 2015. Um, but um, that doesn't really happen so far. So um, the changes they announced were limited to North America. We see a few races dropping off there, but they're more than outweighed by the additional races over the uh, whole world that, that are added to the calendar. So we actually have more races with pro status in for the 2015 qualifying cycle than than we had in 2014. I mean, that's obviously something that'll that'll change even more in the future. But for now, it's not affecting the the pros as much uh, as it sounded at the start. I mean, of course, it's a bummer for the North American athletes with a couple of North American races going away from the calendar. But uh, I think that'll that'll also happen in Europe and maybe in, in uh, Pacific as well. I think the North American athletes have got enough races, haven't they? Yeah, they're doing all right. <clears throat> they're doing all right. Yes and no. I mean, uh, um, obviously, from from an age group perspective, uh, there's a lot of uh, races that sell out pretty quickly, and a lot of races that had pretty big uh, pro fields um, in North America. Uh, but if you look at at some of the smaller fields that you get, I mean, uh, last year Western Australia was really small. I mean, this year it looks much much uh, stronger field. Uh, Wales uh, was another field, uh, another race that had pretty small uh, fields. So. Uh, I don't know. They they probably started in North America, but I expect that some of the European races will struggle 
to keep their pro purses uh, for the 2016 season, I guess. Um, that's just something that WTC is still working on, I guess. Um, so, so I remember there were some um, changes last year to the to the points system as well, and so you adjusted your prediction points, your how many points people would need to to qualify. Did you get that about right? Yeah, I was pretty much spot on. Um, I had some some back and forth with uh, some of the the female pros. Um, most notably, I had uh, some some emails with uh, Angela Nath. Uh, my prediction was that the cutoff would be at forty nine hundred points. Uh, for July, and she was sitting at 4.890, so just 10 points underneath, <laughs> and she was wondering whether she would have to race again. And, I mean, that was so close that I almost said to her, well, you, you should be able to make it, but, in fact, she was the first one at the end of July that did not qualify. So um, I'm, I'm sorry that I was that close for her. Um, but, I mean, she she was also pretty... Um, clear-headed about it. I mean, she could have raced some more, but it would have required for her to uh, have another Ironman race, and she probably decided against that in order, if she qualified, to still have a good chance at Kona. So that was, I think, a, a smart decision on her on her side there. Even if she missed Kona this year, and she wanted to get there. Do, do you get? But many, that was. Do you get many pros asking you, you know, um, about strategy or 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 where they sit? Yeah, I have a couple of people that uh, send me emails and ask, okay, where's where's the cutoff going to be? And a couple of people who uh, asked, okay, here's a preliminary look at the field. Which which race should I should I pick uh, from a from a points perspective? Which is the easier race? I mean, maybe decide between Frankfurt, which has more points uh, but a stronger field, and then another race such as Austria or Switzerland, uh, which does not have as many points, but the field's a little bit uh, weaker too. So. Those are sometimes uh, questions that I ask, uh, get asked, and lots of uh, pros just just uh, are interested in, in a look at the field that I'm putting out there. So I really enjoy getting those emails. <laughs> for, for 2015, we've got some few changes happening again. Um, the number of IMs have been, that you could race has gone from five to three. So in the past, could you actually race five IM and in, in they count for points? Well, you can race actually. You can race as many as you want, but you can only count the best uh, three for your for your total score. Yep. So, uh, for example, we had Pete Verbrusek who did eight, I think, um, but only his best five uh, results counted for his total in the KPR, and um, that's some of the changes that we will see for this year. Uh, you can only have up to three uh, Ironman races, and there's still up to five races that count towards your total. But the other ones would then have to be from 70.3s that also have points. What, what percentage of the people, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I'm sure you all, but um, what percentage of the, people, <laughs> the, of the pros? Who I don't know percentages, but I know the number of athletes. Yeah, well, the percentage of pros who kind of did it that way, where they just did all Ironmen in comparison to the ones who kind of mixed and matched it. Yeah, we've we've seen um, a probably that's been more an issue on, on the women's side where because of the fewer slots that they have, uh, the women need more points to to qualify, and consequently they they race more often. Um, also, race more often in, in Ironman races than than the seventy point threes. So on the men's side, we had uh, seven athletes who had more than uh, who had four or five Ironman in their score out of uh, fifty three. I think that uh, were in there altogether, and it have been eleven. Uh, on the female side, um, that raised four or five races, so it, it affects the the females uh, a bit more than than the men's race. So will this mean that the females will need 
less points and there won't be that pressure to quite do as many. I mean, how, how does this sort of rule maybe impact the number of points required by them? Um, I don't think, well, there, there's other factors that will affect the cutoff. Um, um, we, we can go into those pretty much, uh, they, they more or less cancel each other out. So the number of, of points that will be needed to qualify at least at the end of July uh, I don't expect to see too many changes, and if any, to see the number go up rather than go down uh, from from the reduced number of Ironman races. So um, I think the the effect that this will have is that uh, more and more athletes will um, try to, to uh, focus on the regional championships that have a lot of points in there and uh, hope that they score well in one of those races and have that as their main points race for for Kona and try to get as many points from there and then just uh, at uh, smaller IMs or 70.3s uh, or almost more uh, uh, tactically in there uh, to make sure that they get to the cutoff. Okay. But I don't see them race less but more, let's say more focused rather than more often. And that's kind of what everybody wants. I mean, it's maybe it's not quite... Who knows if it's good for the the athlete at the end of the day? But what us as viewers want uh, is to see strong fields at probably less races, going head to head, and some some high quality racing. So I guess WTC are sort of forcing them into a corner a bit. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the overall number of races or overall number of of races that that each athlete is is going to do is is going to turn out. Uh, I think we'll see. Um, Maybe even more, uh, let's say, strategic DNFs where where they are at a point in a lower points uh, Ironman and they are in 10th place or so in, uh, after the first loop of the bike and they just figure out, well, it doesn't make sense to uh, continue to race here for no money and almost no points. So um, that that might be something that is not such a good effect of, of the way the point system is now. But I think we'll, we'll see uh, stronger and stronger uh, – focus on the regional championships and the uh, increased number of, of regional championships will also make that uh, probably even more interesting than we've seen in the past. I mean, we used to have uh, three regionals, uh, Melbourne for uh, the Pacific area, then we had Frankfurt for Europe and uh, for North America, it was shifting around a bit. It used to be in Texas uh, in May and then moved to Montremblant in the August period and that's back in Texas now. And they've also added uh, regional championships for South America and Brazil, which is also in uh, in May. Is it May or April? And they added uh, um, South Africa as a regional championship too. So we have uh, two regional champs in in April: uh, South Africa and Melbourne. We have one in uh, two in May: uh, Brazil and uh, uh, Texas. And we have a June July race uh, in Frankfurt. Mm. So um, I think those five races will be the main focus of most of the athletes that um, want to qualify for Kona and that need a lot of points and don't have them from from racing well in Kona earlier this year. So what are some of the other changes we see coming up this year? Yeah, we, the, the uh, increased focus of the regional championships, another thing that they added was that the winners of the regional champs will, will get an automatic slot. Um, that was more or less... Uh, what happened uh, last year too so don't don't expect to see uh, that have too much of an effect of who actually qualifies um, but it, it it means five additional slots for the men and the women for the regional championship winners 
uh, that get added to the corner field, mm. so which is an interesting way because they said they didn't have enough space for for increasing the field, but they added uh, five slots for the regional championship winners. <laughs> Although in, last in the past, if you won a regional championship, you would pretty much open the door to Kona because the points were so good. But that's the point. Yeah. But then yeah, I mean that's adding more slots, isn't it? Effectively, right. yeah. Right, uh, you were more or less guaranteed to get a slot, but it was one of the 50 or 35 point slots, whereas now it's an additional slot that you get for Kona. Oh. But some of these might be balanced out by, I think one of the rules is now the 70.3 and high V champ no longer gets a slot. Not that they've actually taken them in the past, but... Uh, right, yeah. I, I mean, that that uh, those slots have been taken away, but I don't remember any high V winner who actually uh, rocked up and did an Ironman and then went on t- to Kona. So that never really worked and the 70.3 champions uh both of them or i mean almost all of them uh had would have had enough points anyway just by finishing an ironman and be be sure to to get to kona so um i don't think that uh, affects uh the the points uh, too much i mean it's basically they added five slots for the regional champs and taken one away for the 70.3 champs. so it's four more automatic slots that than we've seen in the past and the one uh, ridiculous rule, in my opinion, that they've put in there <laughs> is Kona champions uh, have to validate by compete, completing and racing competitively at one Ironman. So is your opinion similar to mine? That like, what, How the hell do they define this stupid rule? <laughs> yeah, I, I written a longer post uh, about this because I think it's pretty stupid. I mean, the, the message that they're trying to send is clear. They don't want uh, to have someone validate like like uh, Rini did last year in Florida or um, uh, Pete uh, Jacobs did in in in, Frank- in uh, Switzerland in the summer uh, just by finishing and then um, yeah walking walking the marathon under whatever circumstances um, that was I mean that was perfectly within their rights in the past and that is something that they don't want to see again uh, in in the future so that that's clear and I think. Um, you can debate the point, but um, that's their intention, and that's pretty much okay to uh, put that up as a requirement for them. But um, putting the race competitively within a rule book, uh, which is what the KPR rules are, um, that's just uh, so wishy-washy that you don't really know what is required. I mean, uh, let, let's let's uh, think Pete uh, start on the start line in, in Switzerland. Uh, he knows he has to race competitively. What does that mean? Mm. Um, does he have to swim hard? Does he have to bike hard? Does he have to be within, I don't know, an hour or two hours of the uh, of the winner? Does he have to be in the front at one point or another? Um, it's just not clear what 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 that means. And um, if he doesn't fulfill that requirement, um, does he? Uh, not, there's nothing in the rules that uh, would prohibit him from getting a a point slot then. <laughs> so for example, if we take uh, Daniela Reef, uh, and I don't, don't think she has the intention of, of just uh, finishing uh, an Ironman in 12 hours or so to, to get a Kona slot, but she has a lot of points from Kona. So uh, she just needs to validate uh, by finishing an Ironman. Uh, she can just uh, walk, just walk mm. through the race mm. and uh, there's nothing that would keep her from yeah. uh, get, claiming a Kona slot. So, uh, it's just, just, just very strange. So you're almost uh, disadvantaged as the winner, whereas the second place right. person can go and take it easy, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and you don't get in trouble. Right. Right. I don't understand. I, I mean, I understand the intention, hmm. but I don't think that uh, that has been 
uh, fully thought through, and they could have come up with some requirements of, say, you need to be within an hour of the winner or X percent, or you need to score at least these many points from from Iman. But uh, just putting that racing competitively in there is just a w- totally open uh, rule there. It would also be a PR nightmare if, if <laughs> let's say, you know, someone did do that. And uh, yeah, so say Pete went did Switzerland again, and he swam well and biked well, and they exploded on the run either. Made the made it look like he exploded on the run, or he or he did or didn't, and then you, they say, "Well, you went racing competitively." Yeah, interesting. Court cases, I yeah, see them yeah. coming. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah, I mean the, the the court cases. I mean, I discussed that with the lawyer too. I think the language that they have in the rules is uh, um, by the sole discretion of Ironman. So I don't think there's much room for for uh, suing them about it. But uh, it's, it's. I mean, as you said, it's it it would be a PR nightmare. Mm. And I mean, just the, just having the discussion. In the Switzerland situation, uh, that that would just be horrendous. I mean, what 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 choices does he have at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, so probably the the message that they're trying to send out is, please do not plan your season in the way that Pete did last year. Uh, make sure you have a, 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 a decent Ironman that you validate at, and if that means you can't race and road, then so be it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's that's the thought process that they have behind it. I don't really agree with that, but. Um, that's uh, their intention, I guess. So as well as obviously um, tryrating.com, where all you guys, if you ever want to know anything about a field of any Ironman coming up, it's basically where I go is my first port of call because it's just easy, it's logical, everything's in front of you, whereas otherwise if you have to try to find a pro field or anything about a race, uh, you'll spend ages uh, scratching your head trying to find your way through the ironman.com website. So you've got tryrating.com, but really keen to talk about the um, 2015 KPR Observer, because you've done your first release of that. So maybe just mm-hmm. re- re-explain to people what the KPR Observer is and, and sort of what you're trying to achieve with it. Well, the idea of the KPR Observer is making following the KPR and Kona qualifying on the pro site as easy as possible uh, for anyone who's interested. I mean, this could be athletes, it could be coaches, it could be some of the other press like like you guys. Um, what I'm doing there is I'm taking all the information that, that WTC puts out there. And I uh, just a shout out to, to Paul and Heather who have put a lot of work in there. And the information that they're putting out there is... Um, got much better and they're they're really fast at, at putting it out but the website that they have there does not make it very easy to uh, catch either at a glance of what where the standing is or to to delve into the details so i'm i'm putting out both a written description of what has changed and um a, a graphical you know like like one page uh you see where where things are and a lot of detailed Excel sheets for the data geeks like like uh, I am to delve into it. And I update that a um, couple of times during the season. Um, last year, I did it the first time uh, from, from March, and I think I sent out 10 emails over uh, the qualifying cycle. Um, this year, I started in October and probably will hit a similar number uh, over the year. So uh, whenever there's big races that change the standings, I'll send out updated information for those that subscribe to the KPR Observer. And um, that's stuff that I don't directly put on my website, but that I sell uh, for $29 for uh, people that are interested in it. And, and I guess the amount of time that it saves you if you're following the KPR on a regular basis, uh, easily pays for the price of the KPR Observer. <laughs> And, and really, I, I guess um, 
it's just nice to see. I think it's it, it's it'd be great for WTC to to get you on board because it's just it adds a bit of interest to the KPR. Otherwise, it's just a little thing that's ticking away in the side that actually most people don't even notice. But it is it is quite interesting to see who has already qualified, um, essentially got enough points, and who the hell is, is still scraping. Because there were a number of guys and girls last year who were right right on the borderline. Guys like Bevan Doherty who only just got in, but you know could, mm. could have had potentially a really big impact on the race. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I think WTC is still trying to figure out where they want to take the KPR. Um, when they started it, it was, yeah, uh, like, a, like a mixture between a world ranking and a Kona qualifying system. And I think there are more, um, they, they have figured out that um, it's, it's not really good as a, as a ranking system. I mean, maybe the number one spot in the KPR is interesting, uh, but uh, basically no one really cares whether you're 5th, 10th or 20th as long as you have a, have a Kona slot then. Mm. Um, so that's, that's something that um, is, is tricky with a point system to really get right if everyone's focus is getting to Kona and performing well there. Um, but uh, the information that I find interesting is, I mean, there's a lot of uh, fighting and thinking and planning and, and racing going on, figuring out who, who gets uh, the the last uh, three or four Kona slots, uh, both on the men's and the women's side. And it's just so close uh, racing, especially once once we get to the final races um, in the summer, that um, there's, there's so much uh, drama going on that... Uh, isn't really captured anywhere else uh, from from what I could see, and I hope that uh, the KPR uh, observers that I'm, that I'm putting out there helps to uh, make that a bit more transparent of what actually going is going on and how close the race for for the slots is actually is. You guys, get on support Torsten with that. It's a f- fantastic. I love reading through it, and, and yeah, it keeps us all updated on what's going on. Um, in terms of uh, IM ratings, we were talking before we got on um, and started recording. Is I'd, I'd done my picks straight away when the email came out for for Challenge Bahrain coming up this weekend, and then Jan Fredino bloody well pulls out. He was my number one pick. Um, no, I shouldn't have picked him. So big mistake. <laughs> flaky Germans. Um, but you can't, maybe talk us through how IM um, predictions is going, and you did inform me that you can actually go in and change your predictions. Yeah, so uh, I am predictions uh, is a little project that I have uh, together with uh, Luke Draxler, one of the ex uh, uh, pros that's involved in there. What's he doing um, head over to. Uh, he's uh, living in Sweden. He's married, and he more or less runs a bike shop and tries to sell uh, Planet X bikes in in Sweden and uh, try still cr- tries to keep fit. I mean, he raced uh, uh, Ironman Iron Sweden this summer. Yeah. And uh, didn't do too well, or at least he was sick a couple of days before. So that that was ex- his uh, excuse that he did did not uh, that he got chicked uh, at that point. But I guess <laughs> getting chicked by Leander Cave is not really something he uh, needs to be uh, ashamed of. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but he's he's doing real fine, and I think he uh, found someone who makes him really happy, and he he just seems uh, his usual crazy self, but a lot of fun to to work with. And I hope that I mean one of the things that John that you mentioned. Uh, we we also have a podcast on I'm predictions where we discuss the field, and uh, it's a lot of fun to record that with him uh, for the big races that we're doing. And uh, I am dash predictions. The idea is uh, we put up the start list. Uh, we have a point system as well, and you put in your picks uh, of who you think is going to win. And at the end of the year, or what we're doing now is a championship edition. 
Um, the people with the bet most points uh, get some prices. And Luke was pretty good at uh, talking to the challenge people. And so we got a couple of free uh, race entries for uh, Oat next year, which is already sold out for Bahrain next year for uh, Challenge Almere. And I think you also got one from, from Ironman Sweden. Um, so um, if you uh, put your picks in there, you may still have a chance of getting one of these prices. And um, the way it works is you uh, go to our website, uh, you put in your picks uh, and name and an email address, and you get a get an email with the picks that you put in. And uh, there's also a link in there that allows you to, let's say, pre-populate the, the form with the picks that you already made so you can easily change them. So how does the point system work? Because you've got points listed on here um, for for each athlete. Maybe just explain that. Yeah, usually the idea for the Ironman races that we're doing is um, the more uh, favored an athlete is to win the race, the less points you get. So um, it should almost uh, balance out that uh, sometimes maybe you pick a, an outsider, get a lot of points for that, or you do a safe bet and pick someone like like let's say Sebi for, for Kona yeah. and you may get some safe points, but maybe not, not that many. So, um, still the one who has the best feeling for who, who's actually going to do well, um, comes out, uh, victorious in the end. Bevan's just picked Sebastian Keenlay for second place. Well, he's, he's but, gonna... well, I was just kind of mucking around. So what happens if I don't want to choose him? Do I just choose someone else and then... Yeah, you just choose someone else. Oh, oh, yeah, Pete, Jacobs. Yeah. Pete Jacobs. You're picking Pete Jacobs in there. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just... Hey, I don't want to show you my, my wisdom. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. So any, anything else happening in Torsten World that you want to share? Oh, I see. I'm doing a couple of podcasts on Endurance Planet. That's a lot of fun too. Uh, talking about tri news, um, lots of stuff that I work on for the end of the year. I mean, um, I always do a big uh, rating report at the end of the year, and I have a ton of uh, new ideas that uh, stuff that I may want to tackle. So the more support that I get from you guys, either uh, through uh, people downloading all the stuff that I do, uh, looking at my website, or um, downloading or buying or donating for one of the reports or buying the KPR Observer, the the more work I'm able to put into it because I still have a day job that <laughs> pays for the bills at this point. <laughs> yeah, we all know about that. Awesome, guys. Well, check, make sure you check it out. Um, as I said, it's somewhere I go uh, every week when I'm getting ready for the show is go to tryrating.com and uh, use the Observer and so on. So check it out. And Torsten, uh, thanks as always for... Um, adding some insightful information to our show. Yep, love your work, mate. Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, there's Thorsten with some great information. So if you do want to get his book, Jombo, where do, where do you go and what, what do you do? Yes, you want to get on the the Observer um, train, use a promo code. Iron. Trained? Yep. There's a train. Yep. <laughs> it comes, comes Here it comes. All aboard. Get on and use the promo code IAMTALK and you get a $5 discount on his uh, Observer. Great document, keeps you informed on what's going on in the KPR, lots of really cool stats of where people are at, whether they've qualified, whether they haven't, and also you know how the whole qualifying procedure works. So do check it out, um, just go to tryrating.com and there's a little link off the side and there. And he does update the it throughout the year as well, so yeah. yep, and that's with the one payment. Timbo, Jombo, uh, this year... You put a lot of smack talk out there. Let's mm. not deny it. You, you 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 went to Kona and you said, "Look, I'm not I'm not I'm not beating around the bush." Yeah. And if anybody you put smack talk out to the most, who was yeah, it? It was Pod. Yeah. Poor old Donald. Yeah. No. Doherty. I'm joking. Irish man living in Australia. Yeah. And just an Irish man in Sydney. That song is it? 
Well, no, no it's, it's, a, it's an Englishman in New York, but right. I thought I'd just kind of change it around a little bit. Um, so we thought we'd get him on just to kind of rub it in a little bit. So here's Paul O'Doherty. Righty ho, there was um, there was only one race that counted this year, and it was uh, Ironman New Zealand. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, table, weak so. effort! Uh, you we- talked a big game all year. You got to give him some love. I delivered it the only one that counted. So <laughs> you guys like to hear from age groupers that do very well in our sport, and uh, one of them is Paul O'Doherty, aka Pod, who had a great race in Kona, where I bloody faltered and had a miserable time of it. Uh, Pod is the Asia Pacific seventy point three champion at another race where I uh, absolutely fell to pieces and he came steaming past me at about 15k on the run. He got 12th in Kona and as I said the only race that mattered was uh, Ironman New Zealand where he was a distant fourth place. John, John wrote the questions for today's interviews pod and here's the first question. How I smoked during Ironman New Zealand in a convincing fashion and the mental damage that it did to you, how many psychologists did you visit right when you came back from the race? So just, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's gripping on for the one result he got. Yes. Welcome along to the show pod. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> no, you're allowed to dig back, mate. You kind of say, well, you know, Kona was more important and to he's, me. And he, and he claims he's Asia Pacific 70.3 champion, but as you can, you'll hear, that's not a particularly strong Australian twang you've got going. Well, it's not, but um, I don't know. I know you, you, pulled, you pulled up a few weeks ago about the, the uh, sort of APAC champs don't really count and stuff like that. You also, I think when you were leading the Kona rankings, you made a big deal of that. <laughs> Um, I know I looked the other day and you weren't even on the first page of it anymore. Oh, so, I think I don't know. I mean, it's I think you you picked too early in the year. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So you just give that dig. Nice work, well done. Uh, I did look at that, um, and we actually in our age group, uh, Justin Kerr is the the champion, and he beat both of us at Ironman New Zealand in fairly convincing fashion. Yet he didn't do very well at. Kona, from what I remember, but I think he won the age group again in uh, at Ironman Canada. So it's um, it's a funny old thing that ranking system. But anyway, Pod, um, about yourself, maybe um, you know you had a great race in Kona, um, finishing in twelfth place. Maybe give us a bit of a feel about um, yourself in terms of your background, whether you're an ex Olympic swimmer or runner, or or where, where you sort of come from. Cool. Um, so yeah, I'm actually sat down to think about this yesterday. It was like. Um, and sort of thought back as like I've actually been doing triathlon 23 years now, wow. which is uh, pretty scary. I think it my first one was a, a schools race when I was back when I was 15, and I was kind of a cyclist then. I think from memory it was a I don't know probably like a 300 meter swim, 10k bike, and a 3k run. Smoked the bike and walked about three quarters of the 3k run. And I should have walked away from the sport then, but it was one of them ones. Oh, I could do better than that. So that was kind of me a little bit hooked on it. And then over the next few years, I ended up. I kind of raced as a junior for Ireland. Um, I went to sort of a few European championships, Spain, Hungary, Sweden, but there was a real sort of, I don't know, there wasn't really many coaches around back then. Um, I think the world has sort of changed a lot nowadays. Um, back then it was very much uh, coached by Triathlete Magazine, coached by 220 Magazine, or what are your mates doing? Let's tag along. They seem to be pretty quick. I'll follow them. So mm. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a different world nowadays, and we kind of nearly love to be through it again. So... I think, yeah, I mean, there wasn't really any coaches. You're sort of muddling through yourself and everything else. Um, but, I mean, I was enjoying it. It was good fun. I had a good bunch of mates back in Ireland to train with. Um, from there, I went to uni. Um, and after uni, I headed off to Australia to do the old year of backpacking. Mm. 
Um, I think that's where I was just having a lot of fun for about six months. And then one day, I think it was due to go skydiving, and I checked the details, and I think you had to be under 100 kilos to do a, a tandem skydive. I hit the scales, and it was 99.8, and it was oh. like, oh, dear. So I started doing a little bit of running again, and that was kind of me getting back into things. Um, I came back from backpacking, and I met a mate for a few beers in England, and we decided, after as many good plans are hatched over beers, that we would do 70.3 because we both needed to get fit. So there's a new one. I think it was the first one in the UK then. It was a 70.3 in Wales. So we basically trained for that, done it, the line, and that was that went pretty well. Um, and that was that night at the party where the next plan was hatched after a few beers of, oh, we should do an Ironman. Mm-hmm. So um, a year later, we'd done Ironman Switzerland. Um, uh, from there, again, it was one of those ones I crossed the line. I think it went like 10, 28 or something. I was like, oh, I could go faster here, 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 here. And my mate was like, never again. <laughs> so it was one of those ones could have went either way. And then I think over the next few years, it was essentially it was probably doing, tri- doing an Ironman every two years. I think it was you would race one, realize how much training, um, suffering it went into, and you went, oh, never again. And then it was about a year later, you would go, oh, yeah, maybe. So every two-year cycle seemed to work pretty well for me. Um, and then in 06, I basically qualified on Frankfurt and qualified for Kona there. Um, and then I sort of relocated to Australia and everything during that time frame. So it wasn't really ideal prep, but the main thing about Kona was absolutely damn certain I was going to finish the thing. So, um, yeah, got through that 9.52, wasn't too bad. Um, probably figured I was never going to be back there again. Because uh, it made those sort of promises to the wife of, oh, it's my last one, it's my last one. I think we've, <laughs> I think we've all been there a few times. The amount of times yeah. that's been thrown back at me. Yeah. So um, I'm now saying, I'm never saying again, it's my last one. It's my last one for now. Um, then, yeah, done a few races. Done next, decided then I was going to have a crack at Busso. Um, I had a sub nine in the bag. And at, I just had a run like a 3.15 or something to go sub nine. But it was about 5k into the run, I decided it was, oh, maybe I can go 850. Um, and at about 28k, there was a, someone sort of was a bomb went off at the eye of the course. So I trundled home. I still trundled home like a 908, which is a PB. So yeah. it wasn't too bad, but just uh, it's one of them lessons in getting greedy. Everyone feels good in the first 10k of an Ironman. But it's, um, even, I mean, I think yourself, John, even Coney didn't feel too bad in the first 10k. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't last long. Um, I think tipping on from there, I 2013, I decided I wanted to do one of the bucket list races of Roth. So I was training pretty well for that. And then three weeks out from Roth, um, it was pretty much my last weekend of a decent ride and a car pulled out of a driveway without looking. Oh, I pushed straight in the side of it. So I ended up with a sort of pretty bad hematoma and a quad and things like that. And... So it was like no joy for Roth, but I mean, I was working with physios and sports doctors and I mean, at the time to go, is there any way I can get it? And I even took my bike with me, but I sort of built the bike in Roth and sort of aero helmet on and over the car park opposite and I couldn't even turn the pedals once. So it was like, I'm not doing an Ironman. So but I think I think looking back, to be honest, that was actually, at the time I wouldn't have thought of, but now it was a, probably a blessing in disguise because it forced me to have that three-month block of rest and rehab that I think most people just are too scared to do. Mm. Um, it's usually an injury that forces it. So 
it was from there it was nearly a, a rebuild um back the first week was five minute runs second week was 10 minute runs then 15 minute runs and I think the big thing I did through there was every run I was doing, I was really, really concentrating on my run form, technique, and trying to do things right. And I think that actually has led to, like, just my run improved a lot. Um, and 2014 is probably the best tri- best year in triathlon I've had, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, because you, uh, you, know, you had a great run in, in Auckland, and let's be honest, that was a, it was a reasonable field there, and you ran through really, really well, considering you especially weren't in the, the sort of pack off the front that I got swallowed up in, um, on the bike, so you had a bit of work to do on the run, and likewise in Taupo, you, know, you, had, you, you ran through quite nicely, obviously, in that last, um, last lap of the run, and, and obviously in Kona you had a good run. So, mm. um, do, do, do you, I mean, in terms of your run training, is, is there anything um, elusive that you do, or is it just that sort of consistency? Uh, it's actually, that's a really weird one, because about, whenever I came out of the, sort of the injury McQuad, I picked up sort of, a sort of Hoogland's deformity or calcification in my heel. So I've actually, I've probably done the least amount of running I've ever done, and I'm running PBs in every running I do. So it's uh, it's really hard to explain. Um, I don't know if it's just a carryover from um, the swim bike, just the general fitness. I've added in probably in the last year, I've added on more strength work and Pilates and things like that. I think that's made a big difference. So, I mean, pretty much for the last year, I've been doing two runs a week, and my average run is probably... 40k's a week tops so yeah i'm getting beaten by someone who doesn't even run (laughs) it just makes it worse so i mean that's that just baffles me i mean if a few mates who yeah it really annoys them so one of my and who basically running 120 130k a week and i beat his pb done a half marathon this year and took out his pb so he's he's pretty dirty with me on that one I know when um, when we spoke at Ironman New Zealand, you know you you already, you already got your slot at, at Auckland seventy point three, and you're looking at Kona and um, going, yeah, well, it's you know, and I was looking at you going, you're going to have a bit of a tough time out here. <laughs> you're a big unit, um, so maybe tell us how big you are uh, and and how you, you know, what what did you do in your build up for for Kona to potentially get yourself ready for the conditions we face over there? Yeah, so I think going into in around uh, that New Zealand time and even Auckland time, I was I was probably about 80, 83 kilos. I think I was whenever I raced New Zealand. And to be honest, I was kind of looking at the conditions in New Zealand, and it's usually never that warm and usually wet. So I was kind of going. I wasn't one of these people that was getting precious about my weight and going. I need to lose as much weight as I can and things like that. But I was looking at looking at Hawaii. It was kind of like it seemed to everything I was reading like I needed to be just as light as I could without being ridiculous um so i've never really stressed that much in weight but i think i just put more focus on the last few months of uh what i was eating not eating junk and things like that and so i think i basically started hawaii probably at about 80 and a half 81 kilos so there's a bit of a difference there and then there was things like i was sort of reading a lot on the internet um even stuff like a lot of stuff about um uh torbjorn Simbali, where he was sort of a big guy i mean i'm six foot five um so it was pretty much about the same height as Torbjorn, and he worked out the formula eventually and finished sort of third place in Kona. Mm. I was reading stuff about him, and he was very much like he had done a lot of testing around. He'd worked out he had to keep his body temperature down. If he could keep his core body temperature down, then that would help him overall. So there was a big focus in there, and then I sort of then started looking at things like, well, how am I going to do that? And I sort of like, instead of wearing my usual aero helmet, I went for a sort of specialized evade because it was like, right, a little bit more ventilation. Um, I wore a, a longer, a long sleeve tri suit, 
um, because it was the case of going well. If I can keep the shoulders covered, less chance of sunburn, which is going to raise my skin temperature. So there was little things like that. Can I ask, uh, going into Kona, what were your kind of expectations for the race? You know, like obviously you had a pretty good year. Um, you, you know, it's the big, it's the big day, isn't it? You know, so what were your expectations leading into the race? Uh, good question. Other than beating me, yeah, yeah. Look, there was that in the back of the mind. We didn't want to get hooked up on that. Uh, I mean, you'd be training the high stein, and I was getting a little bit worried. Um, I think it's, I think it's one of those things. It's when you've got a blog, people can keep an eye on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think going into the race, my, I mean, my key expectation was I just wanted to have a great race. Um, I sort of set myself, I would love to be a top 10 in my age group and top 100 overall yeah. from looking at results and going, I think that's realistic, but I didn't want to get caught up on it. I actually kind of did like in Conan that they didn't actually have any of the sort of letters on your legs and that sort of stuff because it was just kind of racing and it was, especially in the run, it was a one-way run. There was no laps, so everyone was a, everyone was a position. So I don't know, I kind, of, I kind of was going in that and trying not to get hooked up in an end result. I think I've done that too many times in the past where it's all about, right, I want to get this time. Mm. I want to get this position. And I think you cross the line and you can be happy at one point and all of a sudden you realize you haven't done maybe as well as you wanted to do. And it's like, oh, I'm disappointed now. Mm. So I really just went in going, right, if I can come out of Kona, I know if I go well, it's going to be a good result. It was kind of that way. And I was listening to a lot of stuff like um, John was sort of saying about different people like, Xavier, Chapo, Ben Bell, and a lot of those guys, and it's kind of hanging. It's like, yeah, those guys can go pretty well. Um, there's a lot of guys from Europe, everything else, but it's like the thing in Kona is a lot of people. It just doesn't come together for them. I mean, you look at the pro race as well. The amount of guys that are going in there is favourites, and it never works out. So it's kind of going right. If I back myself to race well, I'll wait for other people to falter and do well that way. So, how did you? I mean, you've done you know a number of big races. Um, how did you? How did you find the swim? Because I know you you weren't that far behind me. But f- from my perspective, uh, I actually found that I hardly had any contact in the swim. But I'm just interested. I think you were a little bit closer to the hour mark. Um, was it a shit fight for you, or was it not too bad? Uh, I mean, got off the line pretty good. Um, I started over near the sort of the big TYR sign, and it was probably about 300 meters in before I got a slap. And then it was it was pretty physical then for probably the next four or 500 meters. Just people were sort of trying to converge into that sort of fastest line. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of cleanest swim. Um, took a few slaps, gave a few slaps. Um, and then coming back, it was, yeah, I mean, it settled down a lot on the way back until some guy was trying to push me into the pier towards the end. <laughs> and uh, it's actually kind of funny. Whenever I get out of the swim and seen the finish, fo- the swim photos, it was one of my mates that I actually do a bit of riding with was actually there, so it was probably him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I didn't find the swim too bad, to be honest. It was, I mean, I was sort of saying that it was quite lumpy and stuff like that, but I never really, I never really thought about that. I suppose we do a bit of swimming here, sort of in Bondi, which is quite a lumpy, so you kind of get used to that rough water. Well, on the bike, did, what was your plan, and were you kind of uh, did you execute it, or did you have to modify it based on you know what was happening out there? Um, yeah, well, the bike. I'll, what John sort of said a few weeks ago as well is that the start of the bike was crazy. I mean, the amount of people on the bike was just nuts. Um, I sort of had a plan, and I just had to adapt the plan in that first ninety minutes out as far as White Kaloa. Um, I think when you looked up the road, there was probably about a line of about thirty people. Most people were about seven, eight meters apart, but there was the odd people who were just blatantly riding three abreast and a meter behind the guy in front and stuff like that. So you were sort of looking at your watts and going, well, I need to slow down a little bit, but 
you backed off a little bit and there would be like 10, 15 people come past you and then you'd have to slow up even more to make sure you drop back seven or eight meters and it just wasn't working. So it was the kind of thing, it's like, this has to shake out at some point and then I think it's when we can pass. So I had, I mean, I had, a, I think it was 280 something watts for the first 20 minutes and the next one was like 255 and then it was 250. So it sort of settled down a little bit. I mean, my goal was to ride 235 to 245 and I ended up with 244. So it ended up overall, but I think even through that first 90 minutes, it was like, right, this this is too hard, but I'm going to have to try to make compensations later in the day just to try to offset this effort. So, and then I kind of did that towards the back half. But yeah, I mean, the the first, that first 90 minutes was, it was just crazy. And I mean, it was, I remember when I seen you there as well, and that was one of those ones where uh, someone had slowed down in front of me. I moved into the zone. It was like, shit, I got to go past. And I think I get hung out in the left-hand side of the bounce for about, I had to pass about 10 people before I could get in. I was sort of sitting at 350 watts going, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, I mean, yeah, I've, I've sort of expressed my opinions that I, I really didn't enjoy the bike. And it's not necessarily because I wasn't feeling amazing, but it just, I don't know, I didn't didn't like having to deal with all that shit. You, you've probably, you've done, um, well, you, I know you didn't do rope, but you know, you, you, you're probably in that position a bit more in Australia where there's a lot more people around you and, and what have you. So do, would you rather see Kona stay the same as it is and that's just, if you go to Kona, that's how it is. You've got to deal with all that shit on the bike or would you rather see sort of wave starts or, um, I don't know, staggered starts or anything like that in Kona? Yeah, look, I don't think it's very fair. There was a good article on X-Try a few weeks ago where it's just like, the, the, it's not a fair race anymore. And I kind of I kind of do agree with that. I don't know what the result is because I do love the whole mass start. And you are where you are on the course. You know where you're racing because it's not only, I mean, it's not only your age group, but you're racing when you're there. You're racing all your mates and different people. And so it's, I don't know what the result, the, sorry, what the, the solution is, but I do think they have to look at something because I mean, that, that was absolutely nuts out there. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you get off the bike. You're feeling how are you feeling getting off the bike. Um, well, they could have done with one more aid station in the bike because the last. Oh, tell me about that. <laughs> I think it was about the last eight k. I was totally dry, yeah. so I was sitting going, ah, oh, which meant they couldn't take nutrition or anything else as well. I was just going right, just take it easy. So I actually backed off the pace a little bit. So getting off the bike, my first thing was I need a drink. Yeah. So I, I think mean, you I just, didn't get you didn't get a bloody drink on the run uh, for about about two or three k either. There was one. I mean, there was one thing I did think about coming off the bike was like, right, I don't need a super fast transition here because I was sort of thinking back to, I mean, I had a few mates. Um, I'll not name names who got drafting penalties in Melbourne <laughs> this year, and they all actually ran really well after penalty. And you sort of think back to some of the pro women and Conan in the past. They've actually won the race from the penalty bin. So I sort of thought, right, I'm going to take it a little bit easier through T2 and just relax. Um, and then I got out on the run. It was like, right, I got to just focus on my pace. Don't get caught up in racing. Um, and I actually felt, I was actually surprised. I actually felt pretty good once I get, probably through the first K. I mean, you're a bit stiff at the start, then get going. And yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I was running, you look at my Garmin and I'm running sort of four, four ten per K going, I got to slow down. You people flying past me and I'm going, really? Um, (laughs) so that was, that was interesting. And then I just, I mean, I'd done like yourself, John, the sort of walk run or sorry, we'll call it run, walk at them. We're running the walking, but, um, you think you'd done the walk run strategy. (laughs) I did did the run 10k, walk 20k. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, look, that was good. I pretty much walked, walked 20 to 25 seconds through every aid station and just drank everything. I gave my hands on sponges, kept myself cool. 
And I felt I felt really good, but I just knew I had to keep my heart rate under control and stay cool as much as I could along Leahy Drive. Um, I thought out and back was good. I seen the, a few of the mates and yourself just mm-hmm. at the turn point and thought, right, these guys are probably going to catch me pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so was I surprised that you didn't? Um, and then, yeah, like I did the again. We just listened to stuff. Well, Rachel Joyce I said she had walked up Palani and things like that. So I decided, right, walk up Palani, keep the heart rate down. And then I turned the Queen K and it was just like, right, it's time to race, let's go. And I just kind of put the head down and get on with it. So, I mean, it's even, to be honest, it was like going into Energy Lab and maybe one of them decisions earlier in the week. I had so many friends coming back going, oh, it's really hot out there. It's really oppressive. It's going to be hell on race day. And I thought, I don't even want to run out there. There's no point in having that in my mind that it's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. So I kind of turned in Energy Lab and thinking, right, everyone else hates this. I got to love it. I just kind of turned it into a really positive, and I actually really enjoyed the Energy Lab. Um, and then just it was the the run for home. So it was, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was kind of a weird, as you say, I mean, I had an absolute great race. Everything seemed to go well all day, which generally doesn't happen in Ironman. And, yeah, I loved it. Um, I think there was a few times during the race where I just sort of thought to myself, it's like, shit, yeah, this is Kona. Got to love it, man. So yeah. it's uh, really positive. Nutrition-wise, it would have went pretty well? Nutrition was, yeah, it looks spot on. I, I've kind of seemed to work that out the past few years. Um, I just basically put, I think I had 16 gels, power bar gels in a bottle. Um, marked that off, so it sort of had marker points in a bottle of where it needed to be after each hour. I just kept sipping the bottle every 20 minutes. And then the only thing it took from the course was water. Again, it was one of those things I hadn't really, tr- hadn't trained on the drink was in the course. And... <laughs> I was like, mm, do I want to take on that electrolyte? I don't know how it'll settle in my stomach. So I knew I was getting enough electrolytes and everything from the gels. So the only thing it took was water on the bike. And then in the run, it was, I think I had about 10 gels in the run. And then from about 10 mile in, it was coke and water at every aid station. So it's, yeah, everything, nutrition-wise, everyone's, everyone's 100% spot on. So, so um, you, you've given some really good pointers around you know, a number of things you did in terms of advice, but is there any two or three things that, you, that really made the biggest difference for you? I guess maybe is it you know, just working on that core temperature, or is there any things that you know, post-race you come away and go, shit, that was, that's what made the difference for me? I think it was not getting caught up racing others, to be honest. It was kind of really backing myself, um, and... I'd read a few different things that different people had written, sort of some of the top coaches had written around us, like, you just got to treat it as another race. Um, I think it was even, it was on your Facebook page, there was a lot of sort of diff, different conversations around that where how come so many people blow up there. And I think it is really that thing. It's Everyone's just like, right, it's all in. And I think it was that, right, if, if you stick to what you've done in training and don't try to like go above it, essentially. Um, and I think... For me, that was the real sort of nugget, um, and it was also probably the control the controllables. As I there's, I mean, you couldn't control what was happening to start of that bike ride, so there's no point stressing on too much. Mm. But what you can control is just really nutrition, hydration, and even just that your frame of mind on it. Where mm. I was trying to not let it get to me, just sort of going, "Oh man, this is is this what Kona is nowadays?" and this, that, and the other, and just kind of trying to enjoy it in a different way. Mm. Um. And so what's your plan now? You know, you talked about uh, sort of having a, a two-year cycle a little while ago. Is that sort of, I guess, what I'd like to point out here is you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit different for Kiwis and Aussies and stuff. When we train for Kona, it's very much a, 
a 12-month investment because you know we've got to do our summer season and then we've got to get ready for a Northern, Mer- Northern Hemisphere race, whereas guys that are racing in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm not saying they don't train 12 months of the year, but they uh, basically have their summer season and then Kona's tacked on the end. So for us, it's a, it's a big 12-month investment. So what's, what's your plan now? I, I mean, that's a, that's a very good point. It's basically push, pushing it pretty hard now for about a year. So I think I want to try to do that proper off-season and reset. Um, I think the problem is now that I'm kind of nearly on a northern hemisphere cycle mm-hmm. as opposed to being our, our Aussie cycle. So I'm just kind of having a bit of an off-season now. And then I'm going to do, I'll do Busso 70.3 in May. I'm going to do Cairn 70.3. And then my sort of goal race for the year is going to be Dublin 70.3. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of do a trip home to see the friends and family. So that works in quite nicely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ironman and stuff like that. Again, it's, I think it made the experience of the whole Kona thing so much fun this time around. I had a hell of a lot of friends there that would all sort of like set out, let's try and qualify in the same year. So I think if it was going back, I would, it'd be one of those ones where the mates would have been like, let's all try and qualify again so we can have a, a great week over there. Mm-hmm. As you say, even, even the training, to be honest, was, was, I mean, it was a few pretty miserable week weekends on that long ride just leading in. I mean, it was yeah. the middle of sort of Aussie summer, and everyone out there thinks Australia's beautiful weather year round, and it's like nah, five degrees and raining for five hours isn't that much fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, anything you want to plug? Yeah, you got any um, any people that helped you out along the way? Um, yeah, probably just a couple of people. I've got sort of Nick Torrance, um, Balance Emotion, my physio, who sort of. Kept the kept the body ticking over for the past few years, and John Louis, my massage guy, um, and then outside of that is probably just the mates that who train with the Sparks Elite. Um, pretty much a good bunch of guys who keep each other honest. Um, so yeah, it's just having a good good time. No princesses in the group, apart from JC, you can sort of bitch a little bit, but uh, <laughs> nice. so got to take the opportunity to you nail a few people whenever you can, don't you? Oh, exactly. Let's <laughs> get it into the wheel, mate. <laughs> Oh. So yeah, that's probably it. And then probably finally just uh, my wife for putting up all my training and everything else. So it's always good to have the support. Yes. Well, well done, mate. It's been a big year. And, uh, <clears throat> it was kind of a fun little wherever you two head between each other. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it's nice to see you smoked him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still going to get that sub nine hour there. I'll get that last one. <laughs> awesome. I know it was good to catch up. And we do like hearing, I think, from you know, age groupers that are that are achieving in Kona, and especially yourself, you know, being a, a bigger unit. He, this guy's he's a he's a big, tall fella, six five. And uh, no, I was uh, I was pleased you did well, and uh, and I will look forward to maybe Project Twenty Eighteen. Yeah, and also uh, stay away from that ninety nine point eight again, okay? Just <laughs> don't go don't go back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, mate. Thanks, you. Cheers, mate. Bye. Good stuff. Six foot five. He's a big unit. You're not. You're not the tallest guy. So next to you. Ah, oh, midget. <laughs> yeah, I'm straight up midget. <laughs> it is funny. I do these these body attack filmings for Les Mills, and the lady I do it with is this lady called Lisa Osborne, who's a, is a very a legend in our industry, like massive name in the industry, and uh, but she's a real short ass, like really mm. really short, and people think I'm like like I'm a poor daughter. They yeah, think yeah. I'm six foot five. Yeah. And whenever I meet people, they're like, oh god. You're not even that tall. That's yeah. the first comment I get. So there you, you would look like Frodo. I should, I w- you should be Frodo. I would have. Yeah. Or Bilbo. No, he's a big unit, and it's, we, as we know, it's hard for big units to do well in Kona. And he had a, great, a really solid race there. Twelfth place. Twelfth place in age group. Twelfth an hour in thirty-five to thirty-nine. Yep. I don't actually know where he finished. Um, overall, overall. hundred was the goal. <clears throat> Must have been close. 
but yeah, he passed me on the bike quite like in the other races, all the other races he's we've gone against each other. He's passed me on the run when I've been flailing along. Um, but yeah, he passed me at like did you notice forty the bike? Uh, yeah, I did. I was like, bloody hell. Were you concerned? Uh, I thought I didn't expect to see him that early. He's either he's having a good day, and I'm not having quite so good a day. But um, no, I thought I thought he would probably go on and, and go pretty good. John goes to me about an hour ago. Oh, we've done two interviews. We'll be finished in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a two hour show, isn't it? <laughs> right, let's push on. Let's push hours. out. Sponsor Athlinks.com. Your race starts here. Jonbo, do you know what? Joanne mm. Bexis, she's doing a bit of work for Mecca for this weekend. She was telling me. I'm not sure if I meant to say this, but I'm going to. And uh, she was just doing. He asked her to do some research on the field. Mm. For the race, mm. and uh, and she goes to me, Biff, where do you go? Athlinks.com. And she said, it was bloody amazing for her because she could get all the great stats and everything. Mm. She's been doing a report, Mac will be using it. So when he's doing the great work at Bahrain, actually, we need to thank Joanne Bexis. We do, and, and Athlinks as well. Yep. So, guys, it really is just one place where you can keep all your results in place when you, you know, again, for, so Paul O'Doherty, who, who sort of goes on these little cycles a bit like me, you know, maybe he does an Ironman every second year and does other Every two years now. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, far from it. <laughs> but um, when you start these new phases, so I'm, you know, December 1st, I'm starting my new running phase. I can just go into Athlinks, look up all my old times. If you had to do that for all your running races, you'd be looking at about 20 different websites and trying to figure out all your times. Keep it all in one place, athlinks.com. It's yeah. that simple. And if Joe and Bex is it, it must be true. Exactly. So, okay, Jonbo. Sponsors are? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Lactic buffer. Oh, and your immune boost. Yes. Stay healthy, Good. unlike me. Uh, any questions? No, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Okay, Jumbo, what's your goss? Uh, still no kitchen. Well, we're halfway there on the kitchen, getting a little frustrated. Need for finishing touches. When was it holding. meant to be finished? Oh, about now. Belinda wanted to have it done by the start of December, and, it, and it's not quite. Um, he's just holding a snot up his nose. That's, yeah. that's what he's doing there. <laughs> and You're all class, Newsom. You're all class. Took my kids out to find some more giraffes at the weekend. Oh, how'd you go? I, I was I was running. They were biking, so it was a great way for them to do a bit oh, of biking. Are there some in the local area? Uh, no, we went to Hackley Park and went through Motorvale oh. and, and what have you. So that was all good. Back running as of yesterday. I had a run last week. Oh, you know, you know when you do your first run back when you've had a long it's time off. It's amazing how much it hurts. Eh? I ran thirty minutes. I ran home from Rickerton home. That's like and, uh, oh, that was a bit sore. And then uh, back into it last night. So, so what's the goal? Uh, Auckland Marathon, me and you, you know, we're going head to head. Okay, well, have you got us entries? Uh, well, WTC, out, WTC it? owns it now, yeah, so hook us up, hook some brothers up. As long as we enter we're five, best friends. five other races, we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll volunteer for Christchurch. Yeah, so <laughs> that's the the plan, and outside of that, just uh, one food festival this weekend. It's always a good day, good Sorry, drink, good, good drinking okay. weather forecast. Do you get messy? Twenty seven degrees forecast for Saturday. Oh, Long really? range forecast. We have barbecue on Saturday night. Mm. Um, no, it won't get particularly messy. It's how, a good fun day out. How, how much do you drink uh, over the day? Well, you, when you, I bought the connoisseur tickets. What does that mean? So it means you get about ten tastings when you when you your ten tastings. And what do they do? They give you a tasting isn't that much. They're, they're not too bad. They're yeah. not too bad. They're not too stint. So it's a good day. Even what's up in your world. When's your Les Mills party coming up? That's right. I bet Belinda and Jen are just lining up to get there. Oh, no, they missed it. It's been. Oh, yeah, they said it was great. Did they go? No. No, you know what? Traditionally, Les Mills parties were always pretty crap. Yeah? Yep, they were always pretty crap. Or or one one off occasion, you have a good one, then Mm. it was always pretty poor. And then last year, they put on, they hide out the casino, 
and they did a, like a, a kind of a 20s type of theme mm-hmm. and it was it was actually awesome and mm-hmm. they had dancers and stuff that was when that bloody dancer came up to me when remember i was saying the dancer and joe was standing next to me it was a bit awkward mm-hmm. you know that was that and then uh and then this year they did it again so they've actually found the formula so it's actually mm-hmm. tell the girls to go next year bring you come along okay yeah come along good yeah. night yeah uh, i didn't go this year but we know we got the work party I love a work party. Yeah. I love a work party. Yeah, a good work party. Yeah, yeah Joe would have a good one too. Oh, no, because we have the coaches, so we have a, we, have, we actually right. have a dinner. But um, no, because there's always, there's always some goss, mm. you know. And, and the thing is, I'm a bit old now in my industry, mm. you know, like, you know. A bit past it. Well, not quite past it. I'm still holding yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm, I'm definitely not the young kids anymore. And uh, you can see these young kids and they get messy and, mm. you know, it's quite entertaining. So mm. I've got that this weekend. Really, the next two weeks of my life is about one thing, John. Mm. Christmas? Shopping? No. 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 I'm a last minute man when it comes to yeah. shopping. Doing your preparation for the House of Travel Triathlon Festival in March. You know, starting to do your research what, what, what into 14th. Okay, put that in my diary. You better, better put it in the diary. March, I think you already have. Well, let's see what March, month, March, December, January, February. What weekend in March is it? 14th. Oh, no, John's race. There you yes, go. yes. That's in my life. And then I'm doing the race the next weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. Good. What was the two thing you're focusing on for the next two weeks? We've got to wrap Monica this up. the weekend after that. Um, the band's going into the studio to record, John. Nice. Yes, we had a practice last night. Nice. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, good. I love my band. Yeah. It's called being a band. I told him my band name, didn't I? Uh, I think you did. Yeah, can you remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fitness behaviour. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, it's called uh, I See Tomorrow. Yeah. It's a pretty good cool. name. Let's see it. Yeah. yeah. I've got a special surprise for the listeners next week. Christmas theme coming in. What do you mean? So it's an addition to the show. <laughs> How come I never get any any contribution to this? You can contribute as well. Can I make up my own segment? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna make up a new segment next week. Yeah. Probably won't because I'll forget. But if I do, you you bring in a new segment and I'll bring in a new you. segment. The segment will only last for Next couple of weeks. Is that a Christmas lead into Christmas special. segment? Yeah. It's almost like our events calendar. Yeah. Oh, it's a good time. Do right. you have an events calendar at home for no. the kids? No. Oh, we just got a calendar. But you don't have the, the chocolate things? Oh, an advent calendar. Yeah. Not an events calendar. Oh, was, oh I thought they were called the events calendar. <laughs> no, advent calendar. Yeah. Hell yeah. Jesus, that was, they were just crank. Felicity normally doesn't get up till about seven o'clock. Tom is up at six, if not before. And they're not supposed to get up till 6.15 when their alarms, their momos wake up. <laughs> Philly was out that door yesterday morning because we got them from America. We got Lego advent calendars. So oh, every really? day they get a little Lego piece. And does it make something at the end? Uh, no, but it's just like a minifigure or, or a little... Oh, so it's actually a whole kind of complete piece? <coughs> yeah. Jeez, or, 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 cost you? Uh, yeah, they going to know how to charge. Yeah, they're not cheap. But Have you been to it. one of those Lego stores in America? Yep, that's where we got it from. It, in Waikoloa. And, uh, and they sell like the complete packages? Like you buy like a Harry Potter thing. Mm. What, how much? How much would it cost to make a Lego thing like that? Maybe I don't know. a couple of dollars. Yeah, yeah. like two hundred, three hundred bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we're we're there. We know all about it. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Anything else, Bevan? Um, no. I'm Russ. I haven't done. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kia. It's going to be two hours, two hours ten, I reckon. I was <laughs> contemplating putting those interviews on split weeks. I should have done it. We would have had an easy week next week. Oh, we, could, we could still do it if you want. I can, I can go on now. <laughs> Here we go.